Ladies and gentlemen, you tuned in to an all-new episode of the Rap Lab Podcast. It's your boy, the Candyman, the A-L-F-R-E to the D. And it's the one and only T-O, Stadilio. And it's your boy, QG. And uh, before we begin today's episode, like we do in every every episode the last couple of weeks, we're going to say this till it gets done. But please, arrest the cops to kill Breonna Taylor. Please and thank you. Mm. And, yes, today, and today's topic is... The year in review, 1997, and we got a special guest in the house. Oh, yeah. Our boy, Tawazi. Tawazi, what's up, man? Welcome to the yes, rap, sir. Line, bro. Yeah, yes, sir. Guys, yes, sir. Appreciate you, Welcome, guys. welcome, welcome. Absolutely. Welcome and we, 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 got a, we got a rule for guests before we start this episode. You just got to, you know, introduce yourself to the people and, you know, tell them how you associated with the rap lab and how you got here today. Okay. So my name is Tawazi Clark. And I am, I wear a lot of hats, really. I'm a music video director slash filmmaker. I'm a DJ of about like 16 years. And I'm an all-around music connoisseur, I guess you could say. I love music. And I'm on the show because I know you guys. I pretty much believe I went to college with all three of you guys. Yeah, we see you. And (laughs) yeah, the homies, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my peoples, man. So... I'm a big fan of the show. I listen a lot when I can. And, you know, you guys have some very interesting things. And I just want to add a quick tidbit. Kanye West was the man. Not anymore, but he was the man. I know that Kanye episode is my favorite episode of you guys. And the one with 96 versus 98. 98 definitely should have won. Th- thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, no. Actually, <laughs> thank, no, you. No, no, thank, thank you. you. We told you so. Thank we you. We told you so. Thank you. Come on, man. Thank we we you. told you so. And Blueprint is the best Jay-Z album ever. That's all I got to say. Well, y'all can listen to 96 versus 98. I thought I thought Tawazi was going to back me up on 96. I was wrong. Anyway. <laughs> no, 96 is dope. 96 is dope. I'm not even wrong. 96 was dope, but 98 just got it beat out just by a little bit, just by here. There you go. Couldn't have, we couldn't have said it better than that. That's it. Yeah, that's it. 98 still. We got to set up a bottle of champagne for that. Man, y'all make me sick. But anyway, uh, so today's topic is the now is the year of 1997. Um, y'all can go back in the archives. We've done 96 versus 98. We've done 94. And now we fast forward to 1997. Uh, 1997 comes off the heels of 1996. We all know how 96 ended. Unfortunately, uh, Tupac gets murdered in September of 96. And that kind of like puts like a whole dampen on things. Um, there's really not much that goes on in January and February of 97. But then comes March 9th. And I hate to kick off an episode on a somber note. But uh, of course, March 9th, 1997, the first thing that happens in 97 in hip-hop uh out in los angeles uh notorious big unfortunately uh is murdered and um i think that we were all all four of us were of sound mind and age to like you know like feel something when when biggie died in 97 i mean i was six years old and still felt something but we go around the room and uh, we'll start with Tawazi first, since he's our guest. Um, okay. How did how did you feel at the time, and how do you feel now as an adult looking back, um, hearing about how Mr. Christopher Wallace met his demise? Okay, so 
I'm going to say this, right? I was 10 years old. I had just turned 10 in December of 96, right? So that's showing my age. But I remember it was the middle of the night over here on the East Coast. And I remember it was Saturday night, Sunday, kind of like Sunday morning, Saturday night. And I remember they came up on the news, MTV News, and they said, oh, Christopher Wallace, Biggie Smalls had died. And... This is in the midst of the East Coast, West Coast beef. So, you know, in 96, that was kind of like a big deal. And me personally, I didn't really take it anyway because I wasn't a big Biggie fan as of yet. So I was just like, okay, you know, another rapper dead. More like it was more about the violence and just the gang stuff. And, you know, you're in school. So they keep talking about, oh, you know, stop the violence, blah, 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 blah. But it didn't hit me until my older years when I saw Jay-Z taking all his lyrics and, you know, people, quote unquote, paying homage to him. But I always just wonder what life would have been like if he still was around. Like, would there, would Jay-Z be a hip hop like force as he is, you know, would all these other guys still be around or would they just phase out like the kind of older rappers from prior years where it's just like they're not that big and superstar kind of levels, you know? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, QG, we spin it to you. What about you? I remember being very sad when I heard the news that the Notorious B.I.G. was murdered. As I stated on this podcast, Life After Death is the first hip-hop CD I ever purchased with my own money. And I felt that I, you know... I felt like I lost a member of my family when the notorious big died because I love the guy, you know, his lyrics, his songs, his story, everything about him. And I absorbed that CD. I played it over and over and over and over. And prior to that, I was always big on him. And when that happened, you know, I remember looking at the newspaper. I remember uh, everybody in class was just, it was just very sad and devastated. Um, and, and he was so young, you know, yeah. he, was, he was, he was only 24 years old and, you know, he, he still had so much left to do. And it was just a, it was just a dark cloud and it was just a very, very sad loss. And, isn't that, you know, it, isn't it crazy? I don't mean to cut you off, but isn't it crazy no, but, to think like he was only 24 when he died, Pac was 25 and we, and all four of us are sitting here way past that age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of scary. You know, I mean, they were. They were kids, you know, they were, they were young. They were, I mean, they had so much to give and it was, and until this day, you know, like when you hear the songs and you, you still feel it, you know, you still feel the, feel his energy and you feel his spirit. So, yeah. Uh, T.O., what about you, man? Just about what these two, uh, Tawasi and QG said, I, I felt the same way, man. And, and like, I was also a Pac fan. I was upset when he passed away. And then, like, a few months later, I mean, yes, it's the new year of 97, but it's not, like, a whole year after. This is just a few months now six leading months, into, man. yeah, six months apart. Yeah. So, it's like, damn, man. And and I was eight years old when this happened. So, just like Tawasi, I'm also sure my age. And um, <laughs> it's all right. And um, the first time I saw it was on New York One News. That's when I first heard about uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s death. And, you know, if, if anyone watches New York One, you remember the old format? It was like a little clear on top with the one and the blue part on yeah, the bottom. Yeah, 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 so yeah. it was so it was the old format back then. So I'm taking it back. So when I saw that, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Ock is gone. And then six months later, Biggie's gone. And he got murdered. 
in California. So yeah. around that time, you gotta you gotta understand when this whole beef is going around, everyone. The West Coast is still grieving for what happened in September '96 regarding Pac's death. So it was a little bit of a yeah, it was a little bit of a downfall bit for the West Coast. It was hard to recover for a bit, and then all of a sudden, Biggie, who represents the East Coast, Brooklyn, New York, to be exact, he's gunned down. So it just took a toll. Like what Tawasi said minutes ago. We w- would would Jay Z be big or any other artist after that if Pac and Big was still alive to this day? You probably would have saw more albums. Hey, they probably could have done a joint album together or done a few songs, but they definitely needed peace. But it was a wake up call for hip hop. You know. And you know, it's funny you brought that up. Uh, Jada Kiss said in the interview, if Big and Pac was still alive, a lot of these rappers they wouldn't even be rappers. They would be lifeguards. Exactly. Jadakiss could say that because Jadakiss was actually rapping. Jadakiss knows how to rap. But yeah. and uh, yeah, but competition was heavy. Competition, competition was very was heavy, heavy at that time. Yeah. So so when you look at Biggie regarding what we're going to talk about right now, the effect on Bad Boy Records. And um you have to keep it going. As far as my take, like yeah. of course I w- I was only 6 in 97, so I'm like the baby of the group. But um, so I really I really didn't understand. Like I, I understood that Biggie was like huge. You get me? But yeah. like as a kid, like it it didn't it didn't register with me just how bad the situation was. However, when I got as I got older, and you know you you get older, you know you into the music, and you start to go back. So I went back, and I'm like, damn. Like the big, my biggest issue with dude dying so young, his body of work is so small. And right. you know, as time goes on, because you know, you, we've done this before, and we we've had plenty of conversations back in uh back in York and other places. And you you talk about rap, you'd be like, yo, name me a top five. And Biggie is always almost in everybody's list. But my thing is, like, in ten in five years, will he still be in the top five? In ten years, will he still be in the top five? Because everybody else on that, everybody else on that list has more than two albums of work, or three if you count Born Again. And it's just like, yo, dude wasn't here for that long. You get me? Like he was here yeah. for like '93 to March '97. That's not a lot of time. And it's not like he was like Tupac, where Tupac was whipping out three tracks, three tracks a day, every day. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That's true. Right. But, 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 you know, to answer that question, me personally, uh, big, big will always, he'll stay cemented in mind more than just the body of work. It was what he was able to do at that time. And when we covered, you know, with East and West and everything like that, mm. you had the other albums come out before ready to die. That were great. You know, we talked about Wu Tang. We talked about Illmatic and um all these other artists but when he came out instantly the eyes turned back to new york and when that happened it was just like an atomic bomb and biggie will always be significant with that moment so i that's that's a big part of the reason why he's in a lot of top fives because of his his ability to do that and bring the attention back to new york like new york new york got that resurgence again like, oh man, we're we're back on top. And then, you know, it was just it, it was just a feel good moment to have that. And Big will always be a part of that. So that's why he he's gonna stay in mind. And uh, as we all know, 
Um, and we we've mentioned it before on the podcast on various episodes, including the '95 Source Awards episode, which is in the archive, <laughs> which everybody can check out. Um, Biggie, of course, is 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 Puffy's or Puff Daddy or Diddy or whatever you want to call him. That's his marquee artist. There you go. <laughs> that's that's his marquee artist. And 16 days after Biggie dies. And some people will argue that they was trying to capitalize off his death. Other people are like, nah, we was going to release it that day anyway. Um, Biggie's most successful album, two discs, mind you, Life After Death, uh, kicks off 1997 in what would be one of the most successful years, if not the most successful year for uh, Bad Boy Records in total. Um, I have my opinion on Life After Death, but we go around the room. Uh, we start with uh, Tawazi first. Um, your your thoughts on, on Life After Death, the album. Okay, so, like, the theme that we've been kind of doing, we've kind of been revisiting it from our younger years when it first came out, and then we talk about it as we get older. So, as a kid, remember, I'm still a 10-year-old kid, right, kid? I didn't really, I wasn't a big rap fan. Like, I knew rap, like, and this is going to be embarrassing to say this, but my favorite rapper at the time, my first favorite rapper was Coolio. <laughs> Don't you hey. like, <laughs> know he, he, he was one of my favorites, too, man. Like. I had braids, like, because of Coolio, all that. So, and, you know, Tupac, I'm not Tupac, Coolio is not really, like, a hard rapper, you know what I'm saying? So all that gangster rap, spitting bars, this and that, drug dealing, I didn't understand that yet because I'm still a ripe 10-year-old kid. So I heard the album. I thought the album was cool. You know, my bigger cousins used to listen to it. Uh, and I'm like, okay, this is fine, you know, bad boy, whatever. But as you get older now, I remember the first time I really realized he was nice was when I was in high school. started high school, 2000. So, you know, you're at the lunch table and people talking about Biggie. So it's like, all right. Let me go back and check this. And it's like, you know, you remember joints like Sky's the Limit, More Money, More Problems, which is probably to this day one of my favorite rap songs of all time, favorite videos as well. But you had tracks like Another with Lil' Kim. Like, I heard that in high school. Well, as a 10-year-old, I heard it. I was just like, oh, this is very vulgar and raunchy. But in ninth, 10th grade now, you really listen to it, and you're like, nah, this guy is spitting. And I'm going to say another funny joint. I didn't know, um, what's the track, the one, um, I got a story to tell. Yes. I'm, I remember, I think I was like 21 when I first really sat down and listened to that song, and he's like talking about, oh, I all up in the ass while he played against the New York Jazz, <laughs> and they say it's like a John, it's about John Stock, so it's just like, the stories this man with craft is just amazing, and it's just like 10 Crack Commandments, Player Hater, all these yeah. tracks is just like, the guy is spitting bars and it's like you could yeah. close your eyes and just listen to it and you right where he is as he's saying the song you know yes so it's like i give that album much 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 props <laughs> all right uh qg you that album played a huge huge part of my life like when i when i bought that album and i listened to every single track m much like tawazi my older cousin he put me on to Life After Death. He had the CD first. He played it for me that day. And from Somebody's Got to Die, which is an amazing story. Of course, Hypnotized, till this day, when you put that on, it gets the party going. You know, mm -hmm. um, his storytelling, his bars, the transition from when he first started 
to where he's at now in his career. And let me just tell you this. I love the dough. I memorized that entire record. That that verse, that I verse. Let me tell you something. That second verse, like, because Jay-Z went first. And, you know, and we got a taste of what they could do together on Brooklyn's Finest. So when this came out, I'm popping bag numbers, watching a bag something, watches platinum, got jet lag from, flight back and forth, pop corks are the best grapes, make the best CDs in, the best tapes. Yeah, it was just, it just blew my mind what Biggie was doing. And, and then you, he is giving you bits and pieces of everything, because this is the life after death. This is after Ready to Die. He was ready to die. Now, this is the aftermath of that. Now, this is what he has to deal with. Okay, you got all this success. You got all this money. There's problems that come with it. And he worked with so many different producers. You know, you got Primo on there. Like you mentioned with Ten Crack Commandments, Kicking the Door. You got the Hitmen showing their best work. You got RZA on there. Like, it was just... It was everything you could want in an album, and it had humor, it yeah, had storytelling. Just about to say that. Oh, that, I, oh God! I mean, that skit to Ozzy with. Uh, Can you touch on the skit, please? Please touch on the skit. The skit, the skit, the skit before Nasty Boy always gets me every single time. Where he talks about that woman, and then and the woman wanted wanted him to take a dump on her stomach, and he did it. And his boy was just laughing hysterically. I said, I never heard anything so nasty in my life. And uh, and then, of course, you got the bad rapper, which is which All is bad. which is a classic. Classic, classic. <laughs> you know. Um, hey, disc one, beautiful. Disc two, beautiful. Uh, what more can you say about life after death? It is cemented in time. All right, and uh, Tio, what about you? Yeah, I just love taking what I want to say, but now nah, <laughs> when I first <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I first heard the album, and and it's funny Chris mentioned the transition because when I first heard the album and looked at the title, I didn't even take it the way when he said "Ready to Die" and this is now life after death. I didn't even take it that way at first, and thanks for bringing that up. But when I first heard the album, I heard it in, I didn't hear it in March. I think I heard it in May, for what I remember. First of all, I uh, heard both the clean and the dirty version, because there was actually a clean version of Life After Death, yeah. believe it or not. And, yes. and it had to be, especially the song with R. Kelly. So you damn oh, sure can't. Man. <laughs> but, um, but yes, the storyteller was crazy. And, and I felt like after Ready to Die, I felt like Biggie was growing more into the lyricism. Like, he... He just went in a direction that no one did at that time. He could he could tell stories. We knew that. Obviously, from Ready to Die, he had great storytelling. And then this one, too. But the productions people laced to, like kicking the door. Come on, man. You dun, can't dun, go. Dun, dun. <laughs> Which I still love the story to this day that was told. But um, <laughs> You want to tell it? Yo, son. <laughs> so if anyone who remembers the kicking the door, right? Uh, while Biggie is, uh, you know, doing his recording sessions of planning of the album to drop and everything, he's recording a uh, kick in the door. Puffy supposedly was not feeling it. <laughs> and then he said, yo, Premier, I'm not feeling this. You know, I, I want a beat like unbelievable or something like that. I want an unbelievable type beat. And then Primo said, all right, I'll just go back home and see what I can get. While he's on the road, <laughs> he gets a call from Biggie himself. <laughs> 
Hey, yo, man, you, you crazy, man? Yo, bring that beat back, man. I don't know what Puff, what Puff is tripping, man. Yo, bring that beat back. That beat is fire. <laughs> so, so, of course, Puffy is the executive producer, but hey, if the artist wants what he wants, then that's the artist's choice. So, kicking the door with, well, one of my favorite songs, which I'm going to be a little biased, believe it or not, is not even I Love the Door, although that's a hot-ass track. When Biggie did Notorious Thugs with Bone Thugs and Harmony, oh man, he he let you know that I can hang with certain styles too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may not be the fastest Bone Thugs and Harmony type flow, but good God, he went off. Oh, he man, sure man. did. Bang with us, straight up. We know Angel us, label us Notorious Thug ass nigga that love the bus. Peace, You know, like he just yeah. went off. Yep. And of course, he did, you know, subliminally throw Tupac because he didn't say Tupac, but you know, so called beef with you know who. Of but, course. but other than that, man, that album is probably one of the top ten hip hop albums ever. But the, could, but the sad part about this is this is what two weeks after he passed away. Yeah. He did not get. He he was two weeks away to see that album drop. He didn't he get the chance. Even enjoy it. He couldn't, he couldn't even he enjoy couldn't it. Enjoy the success. Yeah. Now, uh, now I do want to uh, make a statement of one song. Uh, play a hater. Puffy uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, with all that singing. Yeah, he <sighs> sounds like Alfred. Oh nah, chill. Uh, yo, <laughs> I had to laugh at that song because that was just hilarious in my opinion. <laughs> But, but I hey. feel like, can I say something right quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. Oh. go ahead. It's like when you look back on it, because I remember like as you, we were talking about when we was young and we heard it. But if you look back on it, even 10 years ago now, 10 years from now, you look back on it. It's such a timeless piece because it's like all the songs you could really relate to in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You got a song like another where I remember I went through breakups and it's a hilarious song, but you still feel it. You know what I'm saying? And he does show this kind of comedic side in it where he tries to sing and all these things on the album. And it's just like, bro, this man was like, it's not like music today where it's like, okay, well, this song is going to be popping for a week and then that's it. Or you listen to the whole album, everybody's going to talk about it for a week and then after a week is done. This album, all these years later, is still relevant still relatable and it's just crazy that it's like this man was literally ahead of his time you know <laughs> absolutely and then and then of course like it was really that he had the song the world is filled with too short which is a funny uh, i knew song. that would come up i did <laughs> bring that up there we go i had to bring that up man <laughs> because you know biggie biggie did his thing but short had me tired <laughs> at the end <laughs> oh man yeah so i guess i get I guess it's my turn, and I'm gonna have a yep. little. Some some people might might uh take issue with what I'm about to say, but you know, I wouldn't be me if it didn't. But uh, before I get to the controversy, uh, obviously, like like Tawazi said, um, the whole album is timeless. Um, my personal favorite track is a track that none of y'all have mentioned. I uh, I love what's beef. I, I just I don't oh, yeah. know, like as, as been stated on this show before. I I kind of I kind of. I kind of like uh, songs that, uh, you know, beef, drama, all that, uh, all uh-huh. that good stuff. But um, I didn't hear Life After Death as a kid like y'all did. I didn't discover Life After Death till I got to high school, particularly about 11th, 12th grade. 
So I was pretty late to the party. But um, and as I got older, I appreciated it more. However, mm. yeah. As as a diehard Tupac fan, this is this not even not even <laughs> as a Tupac comes. fan, but first off, I have an issue. Like, how many shots you was gonna take in Long Kiss Goodnight? Like he had to. I he had get to it. take them shots. I I, I get it. You know, you talk about throw bleach in your eye. He went after Raekwon. He went he after him first. J. Rue dissed him first, so I get it. But yep. Primo? How you diss the man that made the beat? He didn't. I he didn't. I, I, I don't Primo. think he dissed him. He's just saying like, yo, how you run with these guys, man? He right. just, he just, he just asked us questions. And it's funny you mentioned Ray because RZA, uh, was on the album. He produced. Exactly. Uh, what was the? He produced. Uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight. That's the funny part. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up too. As far as Primo, because Primo stopped the tape. Once Big said that line, Primo looked at him and said, is that how you feel? <laughs> and Big was like, hey, man, your mans came at me. So that's what it is. And I'm glad you brought up what's beef as well, Al, because the very first intro of it, where he shouts out the commission, who here knew about the commission was a group? I didn't know. I didn't even know about the commission. I kept hearing that even on another song, which we'll he get to in that I was and, 10 years and, old when I figured that out. Right. <laughs> and the only name, the only name that that really stood out was when he said Charlie Baltimore. He mentioned her name. But yeah. Iceberg Slim, nobody knew that was Jay-Z. Nope. T Diddy, we, we we know, you know, it's Puff. And then Uncle Paulie. Um that's a nickname that he gave uh Lance on. Because, you know, Lance on, you know, they were business partners. So okay. they they were trying to work on entertainment that's where you know cam comes in that's when cam met big biggie tried to sign cam which is a sidebar but you know big was really trying to establish and you and you still shit on cam to this day absolutely of course (laughs) (laughs) that's a that's a no-brainer you know but but going back to you al you can you can continue but oh and then my 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 biggest my biggest 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 problem is uh you're nobody till somebody kills you what a like, song. So I'm just like, and then and then long kiss goodnight. Like I like I'm supposed to be stupid, right? So the mm-hmm. man didn't died six months before this album was put out. As soon as the man died, you should have took the record off the album. That's just classless to me. Like the man ain't here to defend himself. The whole time that Tupac was going at Biggie, Biggie was to quote Pac, quiet like a church mouse, right? Well, well if you were hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and give interviews and vibe in the source and this place and that place, talking about now nah, we not gonna respond. Yo, this nigga tripping. We don't got nothing to say. And the man, and six months after the man died, y'all wanna, y'all, y'all wanna make a record about him, and he ain't here to answer back. And you know, if Tupac was alive and Biggie would have said some shit on a record, Tupac would have answered back with the quickness. Probably in the same day. So and that, how many and how many disses how many disses have showed up on Pac's post album still talking about Big and all this other stuff? How come those that? aren't those, how come those haven't been taken off? See now, if I was Big Suge, which I'm not, but shout out to Big Suge. Oh, but if I was Marion? Big Suge, don't don't don't, don't, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. But that's um, a recurring thing. But um, nah, I would leave those in there. because like yo, like come on, man, like. The man that left this Puffy had so much. I understand Biggie was dead by the time the album came out, but there was so much time between September '96 
and we can even see even say February of '97 to to take that out of there. How you think? How you think the people in the West felt that listened to that album? You think they was okay with that? Obviously, nobody nobody was okay on on either side. But go ahead, Mac. Like, wait, wait. I, but I can't like, understand where Al's coming from though. Yeah, it's just classless. Like. And then the further thing, like I could understand, I could understand Mob Deep drop a gem, drop a gem on him was left on there because it came out in November. Not enough time to remove it. Okay, cool, whatever. But six months and you couldn't take that shit off. And I don't care what nobody says. It's already bad enough. You, yo, I know they said who shot you is not about Pac, but you can't convince me otherwise. Because why would you release a song talking about who shot you and and your and your ex mans that used to be your boy. Well, not X-Man's like dating, but you know, yeah. who used to be your friend. Said, unfortunately, said, said that unfortunately, y'all had something to do with it. Unfortunately, then, people don't pay attention to lyrics. Because when you listen to the lyrics of the song, it has nothing to do with Tupac. Pac is in jail. He got shot. He has a Trump charge over his head. His mind is racing. People are saying this and saying that. What's going on in his head? And another thing, as far as far as life after death goes and everything like that, the recording process was from September of 1995 to January of 1997. Now, we know there could have been some things that have that could have been cut. However, did anybody and I'm speaking of us, did any of us at that particular time know? Who those subs were going to until much, much, much later on when it was revealed? Bro, you 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 have to be blind or 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 just not paying. Bro, the man said I ain't mad at you. Did who you know that? Did you did you know that? that at the time? Did you know that at that time when you heard it? When I heard it, I, I could have kind of guessed it. Kinda but you guess. also gotta remember too, a lot of the context, like basically they put the art out, right? And I'm gonna look at it as art. And it's the media and this hype train that really took those and put those into a context. So we don't even know they're not here to defend themselves, both of them. But right. we don't even know if they was even like sending shots at each other. Like, yeah, you could look at it and infer that. But we don't really know. You know what I mean? You could take Correct. it that way. But it's a hype train. It's the whole oh, East versus West. Oh, this guy said this. This guy said that. You know? But, Correct. But I, I, and I agree with everybody's point. But but sometimes if B you would say something and if you think it's pop, not only the words they say I ain't mad at you, but just just understand how he said it as if like it's the same way Pop did it. I don't know right. if that's where Al was going, but if so, I, I still agree with everybody's point because like like I ain't gonna lie, I did sort of know what the hell he was talking about when he said so called beef with you know who. I was like that's possibly Pop in my opinion. And you mentioned and you mentioned Pop. Didn't Pac and Nas have a conversation about against all odds? And he said, yo, I'm going to take your name off the record because you and I, we squashed it. Unfortunately, Pac passed away. Suge Knight said an interview. He was like, well, well, you know, he passed, so I can't take that out. But as long as Nas know that there was no situation, Suge could have took Nas's name out. Yep. They kept the song as it is. But just like Tawazi mentioned, the media really hyped and pushed this narrative. Yes, indeed. And it made it negative. It put a black eye in the game. It it became more than just competition among MCs. It got personal. And the media mm-hmm. played a huge part of it. Well, that song should have never been released. 
Because the whole, like I said, my issue is the whole time this man coming at you, you didn't respond to hit him up. Which I think if he did respond to hit him up, he got body bagged anyway. Because I don't think he could have made a record as hard as well, hit him up. Well, Al, and, and Al, let's not forget I that. I don't agree with that. Well, Al, he did mention that line on Brooklyn's Finest. Yep, he did about, respond about, on about, about 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 Pac and Faith. He had a, he yeah, if had they had Pac. twins, you probably have two Pacs. Yeah, he took it as a joke. He, he laughed it off. Yeah. Uh, we could we could stay on we could stay on this all day, but I just think that was a sucker move. But um, no, no, I can understand your point. I can understand your point. Like, like, yo, but why you ain't answer the man when he was alive? You want to wait till he dead to say something? Shame on you. But anyway, mm-hmm. shame um, before you change the subject, right? Before you change the subject, I just got one more kind of question to post to the group, right? Yeah. How did y'all feel about just the whole airiness of all of this, like the titles? Okay, you got like Ready to Die, then you got Life After Death, and then sadly he dies just before the album is released. But it's like these guys, him and Pac, both were kind of prophesizing their deaths, like, yo, we're going to die, we did so much shit, we're going to die, blah, 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 and then they just happen to die, and, like, just to me, there's an eeriness over both of these projects, you know? Well, I agree. You know what the, you know what the funny part is? I felt like something was wrong when Biggie kept naming those particular type titles. Like, Pac, I didn't take it that way. Whether if it was anywhere from Strictly for My Niggas to Me Against the World or even All Eyes on Me, I didn't take it as if, like, he was going to die. I felt like when Biggie said Ready to Die, I was like, uh, okay, interesting title. And then you get Life After Death, which was actually in works while he was still alive. In other words, it was going to be promoted to be released. And I was like, Life After Death? What the, where the hell is this guy going with these titles? Well, I didn't, I didn't take it that way on Tupac, though. I didn't take it that way on Biggie's. I take it as thematically. So, like, it is a metaphor. So, like, for example, Ready to Die... And and you could tell by the sound of both albums too. Ready to Die and Life After Death have two distinct different sounds. So like I take I take Ready to Die as I'm hungry, you know what I mean? And then I take Life After Death as I've eaten already. Now let's celebrate. You can you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I could totally understand that. Yeah, it's un- it's understandable with that one, but I, I want to point out too that there's an interview that Biggie did where it was uh, on MTV. And if you look at it, you could see the fear in his eyes. He said, I feel like somebody's trying to kill me. I'd be waking yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. very scared. And you could yeah. hear it in his voice. You could see it in his face how scared he was because he was receiving death threats as well. And that's the and joint where he was laid back on the on the chair, right? Laid back on the chair. He yeah. had on the red shirt. He, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. You could see the fear in it. And I felt so bad for him. I was like, oh my God, like this is, is that, terrible. Is that the same interview where they put parts of that in the More Money, More Problems video? Yeah, yeah. The That's same the same one. Yeah. That's same the okay. same. Yep. I'm glad you brought that in. But all of you guys are correct with the with the artistic um follow, you know, ready to die, life after death. And then, you know, just the the narrative of death, 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 death. Pac said it a lot in his interviews about it about death. And then he 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 uh, he talked about it finally on Death Around the Corner. And just Tawazi's 100% correct. The eeriness, the fear, and the dark cloud of death. I'm like, oh man. And then for, for it to happen to both those artists, scary. Yeah. But um, as sad as uh, that is, uh, Bad Boy continues uh, a hot year. Um, 
the next one we're going to talk about originally was supposed to be hell up in Harlem, you know, but then it went from the good fellas to the family, no way out, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> now, hell up in Harlem, huh? nice classic movie, by the way, guys. That was supposed to be the, the original title of the album, but you know, Big Die and changed everything, but um, you know, right. I, I. I, I fucks with, with, with Puff Daddy No Way Out because, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh, we like it, uh-huh, uh-huh. But, um, wow, you're bringing up the remix. I, the remix was better, in my opinion, but that's a different story for a different day. But a now, No Way Out, yeah. go ahead. No, no, you go first. Nah, No <laughs> Way Out, I believe, is a certified classic. Look at all, this, look at all this, the dope songs on No Way Out. Young G's, Victory, oh, of course. Victory. Is like one of them timeless songs that just never, just never go nowhere. Um, been around the world, like, and and all about the Benjamin remix. Like, those are like, you talk about bad boy. There's three or four bad boy defining songs on that album, don't y'all think? Absolutely. Yes, oh yeah. Victory. Been around the world. Yeah. Can't hold you down. Uh, can't hold me down. Oh no. We got to keep it's all about moving. the Benjamins. You know yeah. what song? You know what song was underrated? Friend with Foxy Brown. Foxy destroyed that. Yeah. And but kudos to actually, kudos actually, to the writing. singles. Yep. I'll be missing and, you. I forget about that. And, and kudos to the writing. You know, Jadakiss played a huge part in writing some rhymes for Puff, Big, and and Mace, and it really opened up for the for the other artists on the label because you know Biggie shouted them out, and to my knowledge. Has anyone heard of Black Rob until that album? Nope. No. 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 It was his. It was his introduction on the song "I Love You, Baby," and he came in and he smoked it. And um, <laughs> he sure did. Uh, and you and you also had and shout out to Puff for that song. Is this the end? He had a little rapid fast moment himself. Yes, uh, he did. With Twister, you know, and, and Genuine was was on the hook. Is this the end? Yeah. <laughs> Everything, everything kind of came together on that album. Puffy really pushed himself in the forefront. And when you put on all about the Benjamins, that beat is just so hot. When you listen to it, it's, it it's, just gives you that old nostalgic feeling. It's it's so simple, but so nostalgic, like you said. So simple. Absolutely, classic album, man. Like it, it really, at that time, especially after Big passing away, people thought that was it. Bad boy, you're done. And when that album came out, I mean, it got it got Grammys, it, it got so much, you know, certifications. And shout out to the unsung hero on that album, Kelly Price. Kelly Price was yes, singing some I'm, hooks I'm on there. I'm glad you said that. Yes, she yes, she, more money, more she needs she needs her flowers. She needs her credit. She was on so many bad boy records, and she just she just brought it together and brought it home with her powerful voice and hooks. And it's funny you say that to piggyback off of the Kelly Price thing. Till this day, right, I cannot watch that video or listen to that song without listening to the end of the song where she's just going off at the end of the song. And if you yeah. see she's in the video, they don't put her in the video like major spotlight. But if you look up in like top right hand corner and when they got the yellow joint on and they flow mm-hmm. in. She's mm-hmm. in the corner, like singing. You see her face. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Like on the TV screen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She did it. Yep. Yeah, she did. Shout, Shout out, out to her. Kelly Price. Kelly's Kelly's still going to this day. She's she's still out there. Absolutely. Terrible. Oh yeah. I think I, th- I think she's a current judge on Sunday's Best, the gospel show. I think. She's she is. still out there. Shout out to Kelly. Yeah, give her a flowers, oh, man. Nice. 
Hell yeah. I'm gonna tell y'all about this album for me because this album to me, like, and this is gonna sound real corny and cliche, but you know how in um, Brown Sugar they say this when you fell in love with hip hop? This yeah. is the exact album that I fell in love with hip hop to. <laughs> really? Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. It's all right. This, oh, yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with that at all. Because no this is like this is my introduction to real like I know gangster rap was out before that and all this stuff but this right here I remember my cousin it was the summer of '97 and in Flatbush everybody knows the iconic um, McDonald's on Church and Flatbush I mean Church yeah. and Ocean so he used to go over there and buy his CDs he went over there bought the CD came in the crib it's like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and he bumped this CD for like a month. <laughs> And I remember I had the tape, and I used to bump the tape in my Walkman, and it was just like this album right here did it for me. <laughs> and the the odd thing about this album, y'all remember at the at, I think it was I forget which award show it was, but they performed "I'll Be Missing You" live, and Sting from the Police was there. <laughs> the VMAs, nineteen ninety seven VMAs. <laughs> VMAs, yep, yep. Sting looks so out of place. Yo, he don't have no expression on his face. He just standing there with that guitar. Oh man, I like Yo, the performance I even, though. I, I think I think he was just. I know that he sued Puff and won, but I still don't understand why he was there on the stage. But like, it just looks so odd. And like, obviously, I'll be missing you is about big. And you just have Sting, this random white guy who they just happen to no, sample the No, beat no, from. no, 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 He's no random white guy. Don't do that. Don't you know what that. I mean. Like, Sting and the police, Sting and the police the are a great group. Right. You know what I mean? Sting but you put it into context at the time. Right. Us in the hood, I, I knew Sting. I knew Sting songs. I knew Sting was. But is when you, I'll be missing you, transcended the original song to me at that time. Yeah. For sure. They played it so much. They even put out a, um, before it, it it was even on the No Way Out album, it had its own CD with its just own about CD. three songs. Three yeah, songs. Three and songs. I, yep. I bought that. That was my, maybe my third CD I ever purchased. Yep. In 1997. Cause that's when I started buying CDs, like, like things said. And that's when, that's my third CD. It was three songs. It was I'll Be yep. Missing You. It was We'll Always Love Big Papa. You and then they it. had like other cuts of I'll be missing you. <laughs> yeah, they had the song Cry On by 112. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But y'all yeah, was, 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 was buying maxi singles back in the day, I see. But um Hey, it was out. And then out of the trifecta of Bad Boy albums in ninety seven, my favorite one drops after, which is a Harlem World by Mace. I love, 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 love this album. <sighs> Another wait, classic album. Wait, 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 wait. Who just. T.O., that was you that just signed out? I love All the World Dilly, except Uh-oh, one song. I, I know what's coming. I know what he's what, talking about. What, what, what song are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about Jealous Guys. What the hell were they thinking? Oh, I couldn't man. That song. I thought Big was bad at singing. These two were worse. <laughs> Like, I actually thought I actually thought um, that you were gonna bring up the uh, record with uh, Monique. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's you know what's funny about Harlem World, man. <laughs> yeah, y'all might kill me for this, but the one song on Harlem World I do not like is "Feel So Good." That's the only song on that album I could do. Really? Without. Yes. Why is that? Why Why is that? 
Uh, now I understand that that the bad boy formula is to take all these old R and B records from yesteryear and 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 flip them into rap beats, but I felt like that beat is just too happy for me to just listen to at, at any point in time. But but if you look at and, and also dancing. <laughs> also now here's the thing, right? So like I said in the very first episode of this podcast, which I can check out in the archives, um, I got into my love of music period because my mom's. When she would vacuum or clean up around the house, she would put on her records on a record player and play them out loud. So as I got older and started bumping things out loud, my mom would hear. My, and my mom is, and if she and she does listen to the show, so she'll hear. This. My mom is infamous for hearing songs I'm listening to, and the first thing out her mouth is, "Oh, they stole that from so and so." So one day, I'm just listening to "Feel So Good," and my mom is like. Oh, they, they they stole that. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. She like she's like, who produced that? I said, Puff Daddy. She's like, oh, he definitely stole that. So then she played the original record, and I'm sitting down listening to the original record. I'm just like, yo, this nigga got no shame. Like, and it's funny because if you listen to like the songs that Biggie did on Ready to Die and you know, on this on this album Harlem World, and you listen to the original records, like, bro. When I heard where they sampled Juicy from, my mind was blown. I was like, the fuck is this? Well, well, wait a so, minute. Wait a minute. If you listen, Claire, if you listen carefully to Feel So Good, what did Puffy say on his part? Take hits from the A days, but do it sound so sound crazy? Sound so crazy. He told you already. He said <laughs> it already. That, that beat didn't belong. Like, no, 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 no. That don't yes, belong. it did. You know, that to chime in. To chime in, I think that goes to the brilliance of Bad Boy and what they was doing at the time. Because even now, as you say that and how your mom says that, you can ask my girl. I say that all the time. Like, you hear a track, and then if you're smart enough to know the original, or even if you don't know the original, when you hear the original now, and you say, oh, that came from this, and they use that, and it's just, that blows my mind. Like, But, 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 but Al, if you're going to say that about Feel So Good, then Juicy should be up there, too, because that is clearly a same beat song from what? Is it M-Tune, Chris? Correct me if I'm wrong. With the song Juicy Fruit? Exactly. Oh, these, juicy, so fruit. juicy fruit. Hey, yo, man, these guys look like Rick James. I ain't singing it. <laughs> nah, but, 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 but here's my thing. And even going back to Life After Death for just one second. Even um, More Money, More Problems, which I know Tawazi said is like the song, but even the beat for that, like the origins of that, it's just like they took that and chose to rap over that. Like It still made money. And, 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 and it, and it worked. Like it's I'm, a, I, I'm coming out and I right. want the world to know. Let it show like that, that. And it was that's fire. That's what you choose to rap it. Over? was fire. It was fire. Then, it came even together. If, the formula worked. Even if you go back to the origins of hip hop, how they used to take the the break beat in the friggin' disco song and rap over the. That's what they did. And I'm gonna throw a shot because that's the genius of Kanye, because they all take those old samples and just bring them back to life and give them new life. How many people have sampled Funky Drummer from James Brown? Exactly. Look at look at Nas's God, uh, Godson album. Come the song, on. Um, what was the song? Get Down. Are you kidding me? Right. Are you, are you out of your mind? Just if, blast. If, if, if the formula works, it. the formula works, 
run with it. And they made a lot of money. Timeless singles, great and, success. Another thing, Cool in the Game was very happy about feels feel so good. Cool in the Game loved that. And for anybody out there that, that is a hip-hop historian and a hip-hop head, Big Daddy Kane spoke about this on the song Young, Gifted, and Black, where there were issues with sampling because a lot of the artists you guys mentioned, you know, it was like, oh, well, hip-hop, this is not music. What is this? Why are they sampling my record? And Big Daddy Kane put it out there. He was like, yo, your records would still be on the shelf if we didn't take them and use them and give them new life. That's a fact. So it, it and, and again, Tawazi, you mentioned about buying CDs, right? Mm-hmm. Opening up the booklets, looking at where these songs came from, where these samples came from, and you would you would go and check it out. Like, oh man, yep. I heard this before. This is the artist that did it. Oh, I appreciate it even more now. Yep. And it blows your mind. And it's just like that's how you keep the history of music alive. And Real people who listen to me, it's not like today's trap beats where it's just like the same beat, the same beat. Right, same. exactly. It's like you're taken from the generation before you, and even though the generations before us didn't really appreciate it, what was going on at the time, they could still vibe to it because it's like, oh, that's that old school song, so it connects both generations, and it's like, nah, this is how we did it back then. Nah, this is how we did it back This is how we do it now, you know? And it always brings that dialogue, and you have that conversation. Amen. And you want to, and, and Candy Man, you want to throw shots. Didn't your boy Masterpiece sample um, Boys to Men? Listen, listen. Listen, listen, listen. The, cur- the, cur- the Colonel made that a hot record, all right? Oh, oh really? Oh, so that's really? a hot so, record. So, oh. Not a hot record. Juice ain't a hot record. Hell, today was a good day, not a hot record. Nah, I don't have who who's who's talking about Ice Cube. I don't have no problem with that. But we're, with that talking, about, but we're talking about sampling. No, I'm not problem. talking about the fact that they sampled. I'm talking about the sample they Just took. The song, yeah, yeah. No, I ain't gonna front. I ain't gonna front. I feel what Al is saying. That okay, like the song. I, I'm not gonna lie. If I hear feel if feel so good right now came on, I would probably skip it. I have to be in a certain kind of mood to Thank hear you. feel so good. You, Nothing you wrong with that. Then, you know, I mean, because they played it so much. You know what the thing exactly. about so good is Mace. Mace is being happy. He's a happy type rapper, in my opinion, when it came to all the world. So I'm not surprised he oh, would. Oh, oh, oh no, you, 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 no, Mace got some gangster in him, bro. Cause take what pay yours attention. is hard. Pay attention. Pay attention. No, 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 no. no. I'm, not, I'm not saying like, like he, he's, 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 he's not gangster. Uh, of course he, he has some. He and has you some know good what? Bars. And you but, know what? But, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up the bars, Max. Sorry to cut you off, but you're right. And another thing. Pay attention to the lyrics, gentlemen, and everybody out there listening. What did he say on Feel So Good? East, West, every state, come on, bury the hate. Millions, yes, the did. only thing we in a hurry to make. Don't let the don't let the beat and the and the popularity and the and the and the commercial fool you. He's saying something he's very saying. important on that record. Yeah, he's this is going after, this is after Big is gone. This is after Pac. So he's really trying to unite the East and West. I'm happy he and, said that. And I'm exactly. I was I was waiting for someone to say that because I'm glad he mentioned that. And no, and people overlook that specific bar, and it makes me upset. Yep. Because it's it's we're still grieving from oh, losing God, one God, one like huge. Titan in the West Coast and a huge Titan in the East Coast. We gotta stop. That's right. We I gotta mean, stop. Uh, That's the well, the record sales indicated because you know my man Mace on Take What's Yours said 
and I'm gonna bring him back where Biggie took him before. And I think he did because Harlem World, Harlem World was a success. But why are we talking about Bad Boy? And uh, me and Tawazi had this conversation a couple of days ago uh, before before today's episode. Um, you can't talk about this era without talking about the music videos of the era. And we <laughs> all know 97 is like in the middle, the, the middle of the shiny suit era, as I like to call it. But um, hold on, hold on. Let me say this. Go ahead. Let me say this one time. I know this was a few years after. Shiny suit man! <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Straight from the radio, yeah. But Tawazi, since you had the idea for this for this part of the conversation, we're going to have you lead it off. Talk to us about some of the music videos of that era that you, that you had liked so much. Um, I feel like this was an era that inspired me to do what I do today. And I've been doing for the last probably 10, 11 years, which is making music videos. Um, a lot of like, like I say, we come from Biggie where it's like he was breaking down songs and like visually you could see them in your head. But shout outs to the great Hype Williams, who is like so iconic with hip hop music videos. And you have some of these videos that was just so out the box. Like, up to that point, I think only Michael Jackson was doing, like, big, big, expensive budget videos. But you got a video like Hypnotize, where the budget for Hypnotize was millions of dollars, you know? Oh, yeah. Where you got the stunts with them driving the car backwards. And not only was Hypnotize a great song, but it's like you could watch the video and you feel like it's a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was about to say that. You got a video like Busta Rhymes, Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See. <laughs> and it's mirrored after coming to America, but the way they did that was just like, bro, it blew your mind. <laughs> I mean, homeboy was being chased by an elephant. You can't get no better than that. <laughs> you can't. You can't. It was crazy. Like, yes, you had the shiny suits, and that is like a black eye for the game. <laughs> Innocent. I, I like it first. I, like I liked it too, man. Sad, I, I, you know? I liked it too, yeah. Because when the red shiny suit was fire. Mm. <laughs> I think all of it was fire, really. Except for I, the green ones in, in thing that they had the locks in and feel so good. And it feels so good, yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> that is um, it. And, and, yeah. And then they had the um also in um If You Think I'm Jiggy, they they had on the shiny suits as well and uh <laughs> It was kind of crazy just to see that. All the, it was like it was like walking around like a pack of um nowelators or skittles and all that stuff. Yeah. Because before that I feel like you really just had the passive kind of hip hop video with niggas in big ass North Face bubble jackets and shit. And yep. they're on a the corner in front of a Lexus coupe and it's just mad dudes and it's the gritty and the grind and this kind of made hip hop like Nah, this is cool now. You know, we're shiny, we flashy, you know, we ghetto fabulous. And that's what I feel like at that time, especially in 97. And you know what? I'm glad you brought that because the people who shouldn't have done it, did it. Like LL did it. Mm -hmm. And and Jay-Z regrets doing it as well. You remember Jay-Z did it, Sunshine video. I hate that. I'm not even gonna lie. I hated Sunshine video. Yo, I'm gonna I'm I'm let y'all know. I love Jay Z to death. He's one of my favorite right. artists ever. But again, I said this last episode. I am not gonna be biased when it comes to that man. That I was that was Sunshine. the formula. Everybody was doing shiny suits. Sunshine video. Everybody was doing it. <laughs> Sunshine video. I love Sunshine the video. I love it as a song. Do I think Jay Z should have been in the shiny suit? No, it wasn't really his forte. And, he and, and did this it. is a 
and this is a guy coming from the mafioso, reasonable doubt type raps, and I'm like, huh? Everybody was, was doing that it. That a quick change. I pose this question to you guys. Do you think Big would have wore a shiny suit? I mean, didn't he on Mo Money, Mo Problems video, or was that just Mace? No, that, that was because Big because Big, Big was, wasn't Big was, he, he yeah, wasn't in was, the video. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, my bad. I think uh, Big had on a, he had on a suit it. in the hypnotized video, but it wasn't a shiny yeah. suit. Right. Yeah, he only wore suits. Like even in the um, one twelve video, not yeah. the um, not the remix one, the regular one. He had the a regular suit. one where they was in the thing. Yeah, where they was yeah. dancing. Yeah, he had. Can a you suit imagine? Can you imagine the conversation that he probably would have had with Puffy? He's like, yo, Big, I want you to wear this shiny suit, man. Can you imagine Big? is like, what? You want me to wear what? Man, you fuck. You, know, you know what I want to talk about with videos, too? Like, we could mention other people like Missy with, like, mm. her videos in 97. Oh, How oh, man. was so revolutionary. Love it. Love yo. it. Yo, Missy, Missy's one of our favorite female rappers for one thing because she, it's like when you look at certain areas where like Fox and Kim and you know you had the MC Lights and the Queen Latifahs way back then, Missy was just creating her own lane. So when I first saw Super Duper Fly with that big ass heavy black trash bag, what the hell did she have on? I don't I know. Thought, I, I thought she was wearing a hefty like, bag. I was like. This is something creative and interesting. I got to see this. Gentlemen, you got to be creative to have on a hefty bag, <laughs> with goggles, and a, and a, and a bike. <laughs> that was amazing. And she's special. Like, Missy is just a special, creative individual. And who directed it to Ozzy? Hype Williams. <laughs> the great Hype Williams. There you go. Like, it's, like, it's like Hype knew. I feel like Hype knew... Like the the comparison, not comparison. How will I say it? The correlation of what can match these artists as far as videos. Mm -hmm. That's why Hype Williams deserves his due and flowers at this time too. Because hey Candyman, hey Candyman, would you wear a shiny suit? Yes, he would. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't actually, but you know what type of suit I would wear though. Yeah, 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 yeah. That apple right. green, that apple green, that, suit. that sour ah, apple green suit from the Master P videos. Emphasis <laughs> on the sour. <laughs> Yo, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. One more iconic video I want to talk about that I would be remiss if I didn't even bring up was Little Kim's Crush on You video. Oh, <laughs> boy. You know oh, yeah. In that video, Luke. Aaliyah. Aaliyah was there. Yep. Mm -hmm. oh wasn't God. wasn't it Mary there? Mary Lodge was there too. Yeah. First of all, when is it Mary there? When it comes to those well, true. If Lil Kim is there, Mary is there. And you that's the dope thing about hip hop in '97 that it's like Mary wasn't even on Bad Boy, and you thought Mary was on Bad Boy. <laughs> true. True. You know what I mean? And it's just a connection. Like Puff was in Missy video, and he ain't have nothing to do with that. And it's just the love as like a unity yeah. kind of thing, especially after the separatism of the East Coast, West Coast thing. I feel like 97 was flourishing because you had all these people in the video. You see this person making an appearance. Oh, you had TLC in videos. You had yo, SWV. Yo, Super Duper Fly. Coco and Yo-Yo all in the damn same thing. Everybody was in there. Everybody. And I feel like that's what's missing from hip-hop today is just that unity where it's like, okay, you got this one. Now nah, I'm with these people. I'm with that. And they all doing tracks together. But 
people wasn't in people videos. I mean, they was in people videos back in the day, like just chilling. Let me get a little cameo. Ah, I'm here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Boom. Did that my piece fun. support you? It was a support. It was a love thing back then. Absolutely. I, I I miss that, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because it's 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 great to see that everybody together having a good time, especially after everything that was going on, like you guys mentioned with the beefs and everything like that. This was great. We needed that. It, it needed to be fun again. And they were having fun. It was, back, it, was, it was always respect and love. Showing, and, showing support. And aside from shiny suits in 97, 97 also had a, um, an interesting trend in, um, in, in terms of albums that were released. I think like 97 is like the year of double disc CDs. Like it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Like among yeah. notables, we already brought up um, Life After Death by Biggie, two discs. Art of War by Bone Thugs, two discs. Um, Wu Tang, Wu Tang Forever, two discs. Um, yep. now even though the man was dead by then, um, um, Are You Still Down? Remember Me by Tupac, two discs, and even Master P and the Boys, two discs <laughs> on the true on the true tape. Like, why do you? Let, let me get y'all opinions. What do y'all? What do y'all think the fascination with double disc CDs was at that point in time? I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't know anything about a double disc until Tupac's All Eyes on Me. I mean, nobody I was know. doing yeah. Nobody right. was doing them. I'm nobody was say doing something, right? I yeah. feel, and this is just pure speculation and like conspiracy theory, right? But to me, the first man I ever saw with a double disc was Michael Jackson. I know it probably had been done before, Correct. but. He yeah. had um the one history that was a double disc. Yeah, past after history yeah. came but, up but, with but, the double disc. But wasn't but wasn't his wasn't history like di- one of those discs was like greatest hits and the other one was disc the actual one. album. Disc one was greatest hits. Yeah, yeah disc yeah, one was yeah. greatest hits. That's why it was probably it was called history, you know. Yes. Yeah. And, then, and then it, it says yeah, past, present, and future. So yes. So there yes. was it was it was to me it was a smart marketing move on his end. Very smart, very smart. It sold well too. And, it went to the hip hop world, and then all these dudes started doing a double disc, and I'm just like, man, but, keep it but, going. But you see what the difference is with hip hop? Like, it, all these albums is all original material. Not to knock yeah. Mike, because you know Mike is one of the greatest musicians of all time. But, <laughs> but I don't. You know why I think it is? I think these artists all had hype trains, and because if you really think about it, in in order to go platinum, for a double disc is easier. You only got to go gold in, in the amount of records you move for a double disc because they count each um each CD as one album. So you only yes. got to sell 500,000 physical copies to go platinum on a double disc. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, you that's, know how, what? that's how RIAA certifies it. Um, If you sell 500,000 on a double disc, they count it as platinum, one for each disc. You know something? I'm glad you brought that up. And to each album that you mentioned, it goes to show you the difference among all these particular artists. Now, we look at Pac, All Eyes On Me. He just gets to death row. You says it counts as two albums, right? Yeah, so every every one album sold counts as two. And what was his album deal with death row? He had a three-album deal. And Pac was hungry. He stayed in the studio. So this shows his level of work. And he was like, yo, I've been in jail. I want to get my spot back, so let me work hard. Let me push these songs out. Let me go, 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 go. And yep. that makes us appreciate Pac even more because it shows his dedication to his craft. And, of course, he wanted to do his thing, 
and get out of that contract. When you look at Big, Big took a long break. You know what I mean? He, he after Ready to Die, he was you know on features, remixes. Okay, the world been waiting for a new Big album. So let me get in here. Let me work. Let me put this double CD out. Bone Thugs and Harmony. It was beef time. It was all the war for real. And they were going at it with crucial conflict. They were going at it with twisting them. So they was like, let me remind everybody. The group was like, let me remind y'all how great we are, Bone Thugs and Harmony. We are certified. So we're going to push out this music. We're going to work, work, work and give you something. And all those CDs sold very well. And and um, Al, you could touch on the uh, true CD with because No Limit was pushing heavy as well. 97 was the, the No Limit uh, jump off year. And um, all these albums, even Wu, yo Wu Tang Forever is um, oh, yeah. one of my all time favorite double CDs. And all those albums went platinum, multi platinum. Yes, they did. Yes, yes they, they did. did. And, and of course, the, that's the song. That's the song. Um, Triumph. Oh my God. When oh, he Lord. started, I form atomically. Socrates, philosophies, <laughs> hypothesis. Oh. Hey, expect the deck set the tone, boy. Yeah. Now, it's I yours will always be my shit, but um. But yeah, man, like all of those, all and I, and 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 you know what it is? We've seen double discs since, but no year has more double discs in rap of original material than '97. And um, it's interesting because looking back at it from this standpoint, I think that "Are You Still Down, Remember Me" was only two discs because they knew it would sell. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it makes sense it because makes sense. Pac just literally died the year before. People and you know. People wanted that unreleased music, so I feel like the album was good. Don't get me wrong, but um, shout out to Feeney for being a businesswoman on that part. Um, and these are songs, and these are songs from Pac that people didn't really know about. You know, this is old material, so you know you want to feed the people. That's the thing. When you have a diehard fan base, you want to feed them with as much material as you as as you can provide. And this goes to show the work ethic, and I love. Good work ethic from these arts. Yeah. And uh, speaking of impeccable work ethic, like I just mentioned not too long ago, my boys over at No Limit, uh, 97 was that startup year. Uh, no Limit was getting certified like crazy. You know, they had uh, the True to the Game 2 disc. Um, they had uh, your, the soundtrack to your favorite movie, QG, the Unbounded soundtrack. Uh, That's my favorite movie where? Bro, <laughs> bro, when you first seen that movie do you remember you called me it was like yo what the fuck did i just watch yeah what did i just watch <laughs> listen and man. in another parallel universe my other self said the same thing listen listen i'm i'm leave, leave i'm about it alone i like that movie but um, i know you like that movie that and it's terrible acting yes stop it Listen, listen, Cain and Abel was the only terrible actors in that movie when they whacked dude with the baseball bat, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. What about some more? You got a cigarette? <laughs> that was a whole different movie. Yo, leave Hot Boys alone, man. But, uh, but, um, that movie used to come on on Saturdays on UPN for like three Saturdays straight, all right? On Saturdays. But, and then you had, um, Mia X, uh, Unladylike went gold, and then, of course, Masterpiece, Masterpiece. Ghetto D, um, uh, everything there when when certified at least gold. So shout. I mean, we've talked about No Limit countless times on this show, so I'm not gonna drag the people to death. Uh, go check out and episode you know, twenty, Matt. What's up? You know, I'm glad you br- I'm glad you brought that up because you know we touched on the death of 
Big and Pac, two of the greatest, two of the biggest acts in the world. The lane is open now. Yeah. Now it's time. Okay, like we got to work. You know what I mean? Now, now, now you really got to push. So everybody was fighting and pushing and clutching to try to try to take over. And, and, and you know, and it's it's funny you mentioned that because Nas had did an interview around that time period, and they had asked him about Big and Pac both being dead and getting yeah. murdered. And he specifically said, yo, I thought that was going to be the end of hip-hop altogether. So, you know, the, there's no more, there's no king of New York. There's no king of rap. Like, it, it's wide open competition. Um, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that because Jay-Z tried to grab it right away. He tried to grab it right away when he's, when, and Tawaza, you could back me up and Mac, you could back me up when it comes to, uh, in my lifetime, in my lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, Volume one. What, yeah. what did he say? What, what, what did he say on the city's mind? He dedicated that whole first verse to Big, yeah. and he was like, "You held it down long enough. Let me take those reins." He wanted to be the king right away. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. And then, and then he ran in the Nas a couple of years later, and we, we know what happened. <laughs> but um, and 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 and, 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 and before I before I continue, yo yo hove man, I, I love you and all, but you you ain't slick, bro. Uh, Nas want to Nas, Nas want to drop something, <laughs> and you still to this day dropping on the same day, man. Like, come on, yeah. don't 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 think I forgot about two thousand one and two thousand four oh, yeah. and two thousand. You are correct. You like, are correct. He's correct. Like Jay Z like, has fought. He is. He's done it every time. Like like like, like, like come on, Hov. It's over. It's over. Like it, it, it's over. I like, think more what he's doing today. I think what he's doing like these times is like it's corny. I ain't gonna front. But if you go back to 97 and you look at an album like In My Lifetime where he had hits like, well, my, one of my personal favorites off of that album is Who You With. Mm, from and Spring Soundtrack. From, yeah. Oh, my God. Those, those two songs. <laughs> well, Who You With and Where I'm From. Yeah. Those are two classics to me. And like Jay was just starting to really... Like not even peak, but he was just re- like with Pac and Big being gone. It's like he like now is my time, you know. And, yes. and he was and, really showing out. And you know what the thing is? Let me piggyback a few minutes ago when Al mentioned, of course, you know his love of his roots. You know, his home for No Limit. What did Jay Z say on Imaginary Players? <laughs> that down south masterpiece about about a shit. So mm-hmm. to piggyback on what Alpha, you know, what Alpha's story is. Now you're getting hints like, what the hell do you mean by about about it? Because New York was hearing about Master P, but it wasn't up until like almost like late 96. And then you hear more of his name now on Imaginary Place, which is one of my favorite Jay-Z songs off that album, by the way. My other favorite is Real Niggas with Too Short. Mm. I know, interesting choice. But, <laughs> but The City is Mine, as far as in my lifetime, I like the song, but I, I wasn't really like... Oh, this is a hot song. I wasn't into that. I agree. I agree. Nah, yeah. but to to before I make my point about this Jay Z album, what happened to Master P in 1997? He was on one of the most New York tracks in history. They put that man on. He had no business being on there. What do you mean no, he had no business? He had no business. Come on, come on, come on, come on. He had no business. Why are you still advocating for that song? I'm a why no, I'm a that? no limit soldier. That's why they booked me. Yeah, New Orleans did, but no one cared about his verse on that. You, yo, I dare you to tell anyone on four three two one who had the best verse. They'll tell you who had the worst verse, but they listen, damn sure I'm going to be. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, a no limit, 
I'm a Nolan soldier. That's why they booked me. They should have threw the book at him. <laughs> <laughs> and you heard what he said. He crushed them like pink cookies. But anyway, but but nah, but like yo, everybody, yo, everybody back in the day, we was hyped that P was on a track with, with meth and red and LL and DMX. Like, like, come on, yeah, man. He, he got the cosign. Yeah, he, he was hot. He got the cosign. That's just cool. Was, the problem was that can't work with raw spitters like them, man. If it was a no limit posse cut on that same beat, he can get away with that. He can't really get away with that on those type of records, man. I'm sorry. And Love, due to the situation, due to the situation, due to the situation with cannabis, that's another reason why they cut cannabis. They put P in, and you know. That's that's just what it was. It was hey, a lot hey, of hey, it was hey, a political move. And shame on you, LL, because P didn't even make the album version. Well, actually, it was recorded before he was even mentioned, so it was already done. That's why. You that's shouldn't why. say shame. You shouldn't say shame on LL. You should thank him because yeah, at least he still put him in the video. He still put him in the video. And the, and the album was already done before P was thought of. Exactly. Wow. And by the way, I talked about this last episode. I, I didn't really like Phenomena for guys who's not familiar why he's talking about this. <laughs> but wait, wait. Yeah, before, I went platinum. before you continue, though, as far as in my lifetime value, one, bro, I heavily despise I know what girls like. Oh, God. <laughs> That's I did. I did. I hated that song. That song was that song. That song was corny. It was. Corny. I can, I can, I I love the city is mine. The city of mine is actually one of my all time favorite Jay Z songs in history. I can deal with that. But I can't video based on Usual Suspects. Yes. Don't you see? Don't you see what Jay Z was doing? And Irv Gotti touched on this. Jay Z tried to follow the bad boy formula. Once Big passed away, he saw how successful that was. Jay-Z was like, I'm, I could get all these tracks that Big was going to get. I'm going to use that mm-hmm. formula. And Irv Gotti was correct. That's not Jay's energy. That's why it only sold a million. And, so, and, and, and always be it, my it sunshine. No, I'm good. I'm good. Don't, don't be my sunshine. Let it rain. No, I mean, hey, <laughs> I hey like listen. That song, though. I really had liked so, that the song. The song, the song, the song was tough. I'm sorry, man. I mean, I think Fox saved the song a bit, but I couldn't stand the song overall, especially the video. Hey, you know what? That is true because Jay-Z appeared on No Way Out, Life After Death. Um, he followed the world. formula. He saw that formula was working, and he tried to do the same thing. But that's not yeah. his energy. No, and he realized that he he realized it from when he came out with Hard Dog Life. He he understood. Wow, mm-hmm. I can keep that. But um, <laughs> but 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 to you mentioned LL Cool J phenomenon and New York. New York wasn't trying to let go of the reins in '97 because um, cool LL Cool J had phenomenon. Jay Z had uh, Volume One, and and even Buster Rhymes dropped in '97. So New York, yep. they was. Still Great album. To... Please, let's talk about When Disaster Strikes. I'd rather, all right, out of, start out it of off. All, out of all them albums, I think When Disaster Strike was just about the best out of oh, all three. Man. What an album! What an album! Let, let me tell you guys something personally with that. Wait, wait, before you go, before you up? go, shout outs to my main man Julio Himudio. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shout out, shout out to my boy Julio. I went to high school with Julio, so I know, I know that. Good shout out. <laughs> go on. But also, shout out to my boy Illy E because this is one of his favorite albums as well. What I love about this album the most, we all know. The origins of Buster Rhymes, when Buster first started with, you know, Leaders of the New School and how he was rapping, and then when he became a solo act, 
he came with this wild, crazy, extravagant style that was so creative and just so different. With this album in particular, he gave us both. What I heard, put your hands where my eyes could see, I said, yo, he's really rapping. He's not yelling, he's not screaming, he's not jumping around, even though that style is crazy, to be able to put all that together. Now he's giving us a taste of both, that he can, he could be versatile, he could switch up. And the song Dangerous? Are you kidding me? That song is fantastic. The video is amazing. And the way yep. he's and, and Buster is really spitting, he's really spitting on that song, and all the other records and the introduction with Flip Mode and everything like that. And Puffy was on the album. Him, him, and him and um, what was that song? The Body Rock. Yeah, the Body Rock. He was on I there. Puffy was on there. Puff, Mace was on there. What's up? I want to say Puff was the one that. Well, I, I, you can't quote me. Somebody told him to spit that that like on put your hands on my eyes can see. Somebody told him to rap it soft, and I forgot who told him to rap it soft. I think I think I know. I think I know. I think I know where you're going. I heard this story. Yeah. I believe it was Q-Tip. Yes, yes, yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. Q-Tip told him to rap slowly. He he told him to slow down and rap this track. And it worked perfectly. Perfect. The and, way he and, and he could still perform it till this day and get you hype. Yep. And by the way, guys, if you really know will notice why I say what's the dealio rhyming with, you know, it's T.O. <laughs> that's why. I get it from my music father, guys. That's your father. With, yes. Silly with the nine really what's the dealio. <laughs> I remember when I first heard that song. It was about September of ninety seven. The school was starting. And I heard I saw the video and I heard it at the same time. And I was just like it blew my mind. Like I was in the house jumping. Like, bro, mm -hmm. what is this? Doom, and doom, doom. I'm gonna always say this. Doom, like, I'm gonna always compare music now to back then, and the mm -hmm. way it makes you feel. Like I heard that back then, and it's just like, yo, what is this? Like this, because you know, I'm coming from what's his other joint that he had before that when he wore the Jordans? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, ha. Ooh, ha. <laughs> that was. I, I didn't know about leaders of the new school like that and all that, but I knew right. about Wuha. I got you all in check because I remember that was fantastic and it was just so different from what you really heard. And then yes. when he came with this and he's just dropping bars and it's just like, yo, you're really going to listen to me. And I think that's what really put him up there, up there with like, nah, you can't mess with me type stuff, you know? Agreed. That's true. You know how you can tell songs is timeless? No, I, I, I can you tell. So I play NBA 2K every year. I buy 2K every year, right? And a couple years ago, put your hands where my eyes could see was in 2K. So mm. if a song could be in a mainstream video game more than 20 years after its first release, that tells you a lot. Yep, that is a fact. Like, yep. and like, and shout outs to the people at 2K because over the years. Like scenario and another song Buster was on. Scenario was in the game, I think, last year or the year before. So you know, it was in it too. Victory was in it too. One Vic, year, Vic, Victory yes. was in it too. And one Mace feel so good was in it one year. Like, like um, what was that song back in the day? This is like I think this is like two K one, and they had um what's that beat? Um, wild the fuck out thing. The Red Man. I think it's oh, Red Man, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was... I thought 
that was NBA Live. Was it NBA Live? Oh, six. Nah. That was 2K. One, because I remember I had, that's when Dreamcast is popping. I had, and that was the old, they only played the yes. beat. Yes. The name of the yes. song, the name of the song is The Goodness. The Goodness. Yes, the yeah. Goodness song. yeah. And they played that beat over and over and over. This is before they had soundtrack. That was the only song they had on it. And, and Buster Rhymes was on that song with Red exactly. Man. Yeah, that was great, man. Nah, but, but shout out, shout outs to um, NBA Live 06 because the first time I ever heard Foot of Nasty with Q-Tip and Buster Rhymes was, uh, was on that game. <laughs> Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me tell you the story. Yes, uh-huh, uh-huh. About a boy from the Tribe Called Quest. Oh, man. Any, anytime you get those two together, it's, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. But, um. Love but to yeah, the, the only song from When Disaster Strikes I Could Do Without is one with Erica Badu, because, you know. Uh, <laughs> the one? That was the name of the song, right? Yeah, there's only, bro, there's only one song that Erica Badu ever touched that I could uh, get in tune with, and I've sung it plenty of times on this show. Oh, I won't, no. I won't, I won't sing it again. But uh, and Rockwilder produced that song. That's the funny part. Really? Yeah, he he did. The song <laughs> one, yes. And uh, but yeah, New York, New York keeps it going. I know, I know, Mac, you 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 aired your grievances before with um with with phenomenon, so. Ugh. I mean, it went platinum though. You you're not gonna give it, it a credit. It, 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 went, it, it went platinum, but I just wasn't feeling the album. Like four three two one, I could uh, I could keep. It. Even if masterpiece on it, fine, I could keep that song. But some of the rest of that phenomenon, I hated it, especially the video. Um, Didn't Puffy produce it? Puff, I put the Puffy produced half the album. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't feeling that feeling that arrow for Ello. Let me let me throw y'all a curveball. Yeah, I'm gonna tell y'all about my favorite hip hop album from 1997. Go ahead. All right. My favorite album from 1997 is Wyclef John presents the Carnival. Oh, we can get into that. They don't so, talk so about you know, that album so, enough. So, so you, so you know what? Let Let's talk about it because there's another theme in 1997. We already said that double discs was a theme, shiny suits was a theme in music videos, but how about artists who were a part of groups splintering off from their groups? And Wyclef was one of them with the Carnival. Um, Kawazi, t- tell us why you like that album so much. From not not only with the Caribbean influence that's heavy in the album, yep. but you could go that to me. I remember you guys had an episode about good albums, and that to me, from track one all the way to track twenty-four, could play without skipping. <laughs> now let me let agree. Agree. Let me let me ask you this, right? Are do you consider yourself a big Wyclef fan? No, at this time in '97, yes, but overall, no. Because um, I don't know. I just always thought the eclectic was his was his best work, but I could I could be wrong. When the eclectic, that's the one with nine one one and all that, right? Yeah, two thousand. I hated nine one one. I just hate his singing. <laughs> Why you hate that one? What did I just, I just, I just, I just hate his singing. I went back on that one. I mean, I, 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 I love nine one one. It's a good song, but his good singing song, good concept. When Wyclef, you can't, can't, can't nah. outdo Barry J. Blige. I'm when Wyclef, when Wyclef tries to hit the high note, I have a problem with it. <laughs> Just don't do it. Please call 911. <laughs> call 911 for that song. Call 911 for that song. <laughs> I think, 
the carnival is his best album, hands down. I agree with the carnival, yes. hands down. I yes. remember he got a line on his verse on Bubble Goose when he's like, you're shooting in the opposite <laughs> position. I'm thinking, should I fire a whole back on ammunition on your weak transition? My mission, like they say, spread love, but all you screw mugs, I'll be wearing black gloves. Like, he went off. I and love, there's so many songs on this I he went it. off. I, I love how, and, and Tawazi, remember the song he did with Lauren Hill where they were rapping? They were going toe-to-toe, those toe-to-toe. Is that, is that Year of the Dragon or Gunpowder? Which I forgot which one was it. Cause she was on oh. an album a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and 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 um, the Candyman said it. Even though the Fugees were kind of going their own way, they still got together to be a part of that album. They were still yep. the videos. Uh, yep. The introduction and, and and John Forte was all over it. Shout oh out man. Uh, oh, Yo, you, yeah. know, he, he, you, you know what song that no one talks about? I thought Street Jeopardy was a good song. Oh, it is a good song. Street Jeopardy. Street, Street Jeopardy gets no credit. That was a hot song from White Club. But y'all, y'all gonna laugh. Y'all gonna laugh. I love all the songs on there, but I have a personal, personal favorite. A personal favorite. Y'all ready for this? Yeah. He I New York song. <laughs> 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 oh, I just love that song. I don't know what he's talking about. And I looked at the clue. lyrics later on. I looked up the lyrics in English later on. But at that time, you know. I just love the way that it sounded. I love the way he was, well, oh, it was. It was incredible. He's speaking in Creole and he's ra- he's rapping in Creole and it just came together so good. Hey, hey, <laughs> just, hey, that's, hey that's Hades' finest right there. I loved it, man. It was great. You know, you, you, you know, you know what though, I, and and, I, and I'm gonna admit this, and and this is like a really bad state of mind to approach music to, but. I feel like I get nervous when somebody who's known for being in a group finally releases their first solo album. Because I'll tell you why. So, like, for example, Wyclef, right? Up until this point, like, he had blended on reality and the score with the Fugees, right? Two really good albums. One is a certified classic, no doubt. So Mm -hmm. you're used to hearing him backed up by by Praz and, and, and Lauryn Hill. You know, and that so you don't really know what he's gonna sound like on his own, and that's not just with Y Club. That's how I feel about anybody. So like, you know, when notable examples, you know, when Lil Wayne branched out from the Hot Boys, um, Busta Rhymes branched out from Leaders of the New School, like you, you just, you know, you get what I'm trying to say. Like you, so not even cut to you hear off. it. Wait, could I ask you a question out? Not even cut you off. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You said Lil Wayne branched out from the Hot Boys. Did you feel like the Hot Boys was a group? Or did you feel like that was just four solo artists that just put them together in a group? <laughs> I think they was a legit group, honestly. Because, and you know what's funny? You mentioned them. If you ever listen to their to any of their three albums, they follow the same format every album, which I like. You have you have four tracks on each album where you only get one member on that track, which I think a lot of groups should take that off. Uh, a lot of groups should take that format because it's like you you give you give each member like their showcase track to show what they can do on their own. But but yeah, I think the Hot Boys was a, was a legit group. I mean, they, had, they got three albums worth of, of solid material and they had success as a group. So I, I I think they was a group. But I get what you mean why some people would say oh they just took four solo artists and just threw them together. But yeah. they, but but their but their cohesion musically is why I say they're a group. Like. And I, I know they weren't around in 97, but like Slaughterhouse, for example, is, is a group where I would say 
they just threw four solo solo artists together and called them a group. Yeah, you could say I, the same I, thing I, for the firm. Firm. Yes, I was gonna bring up the firm too. I was gonna bring up the firm. And it's funny and it's funny you bring up the firm because the firm also drops in nineteen ninety seven. Oh wow. And it's funny, it's funny at the timing that we talking about the firm because what just happened on Friday? Exactly. That's what I was talking about. And this time it had Cormega. Not even that. Very I, happy I, I, guess, I guess we got to put an all points bulletin out on uh, on nature and put him on the side of a milk carton because he know where to be found. But, oh, man. Shout out to nature. But um, nature, now the firm, a lot of people don't know. This was a, a Nas and Dr. Dre idea. And for those people who don't know, the firm is a super group. It's Nas, AZ. Did he do the group? Did he do the beat for Phone Tap? He did do the beat for phone tap. Dre is all over the uh, uh the yeah, yeah, album. yeah 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 and, and 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 he rapped on Firm Family if y'all remember. Yeah, he rapped on Firm Family. He uh he was also he did some background vocals for uh Executive Decision. And Dre really, was on and Dre, it. But but, but, if, people, but if people forget, Dre appeared on Nas's It Was Written album the year before. Yeah. Yep. On the intro to that song, Nas is like Doctor Motherfucking Dre. And, and and people out there, he's on the outro of Full Circle, which made it even more special. Yes, he but, is. Um, but for people who don't know, Firm is uh, Nas, AZ, Foxy Brown. The album had Nature, but it was supposed to be Cormega, Cormega. but Nas and Cormega fell out. But um, a lot of a lot of a lot of people saying that that um the Firm album should have been an EP. I felt it should have been exclusively produced by Dre. There were so many cooks in the kitchen. Everybody wanted a piece, and it's you and it's know, just, you know what my biggest problem with that album is. It sounds more like a compilation than an actual. It does. Album. It does. Because I agree. Felt, right. I right. agree. Wait, can I ask you a question? Because I know you yeah. have some hardcore hip hop heads. Yeah. How do y'all feel about the song Firm Biz? I was I love fan. Firm Biz. I, I love, love Firm Biz. I, I, I thought sorry. Firm Biz was all right. Firm, I, firm Biz. I, listen. Come on now, Tina Marie, the set, Square Biz, that sample, yeah. I loved it. And then I felt it all came together, you know? I, of course, it was poppy, commercial, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's an action. But, but you also yeah. got to keep in mind, we talking about 1997. How many songs? Right. Didn't we just say Feel So Good and all these yeah, other songs? Exactly. Like it, everybody exactly was following that formula. If, yeah. if, it, I'm like, if you're like, if you're like Feel So Good, then you can't like Firm Biz. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> From, from the era is released in, you know, I don't have an issue. Okay. But, nah, but my biggest problem with, with, with the album is that when I say it sounds like a compilation, you don't get all four artists on every song. Like, why, why did why did Grand Wizard have a solo song? That, I didn't understand that either. He why? Uh, uh, well, oh, come on. Of all people, was uh, Grand Wizard, or what was the Untouchable, right? Nas uh, wrote that anyway. Nas wrote that song. My favorite my favorite one was Desperados with Cannabis. Oh, cannabis. My. Shout out to that verse. That verse was fuego. Nah, they should have they should have called the firm album um instead of the album, they should have called it uh QB's finest, the intro. I love that nature had a solo song on there, Five Minutes to Flush. It really showed him out. And again, you had Roger Troutman, you know, being a part of that, which shows the Dre influence. Dre and produced fir- that and record. Firm, and firm family, it, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, that's just nature and Dre. It was nature and Dre. Yep. You know how many, and, uh, how many was intros good. was on an album before the song came out? Des- Desperados oh, had an intro. I love that intro. Phone Tap had an intro. Yeah, it was a movie. Phone Tap was a movie. 
Yo, phone tap <laughs> is one of the is one of the bro. I don't know, man. What Nas and A Z. Nas and A Z. The way that they put that together is so legendary. But the, it's amazing. But it's the a ca- mafioso album, because remember, Nas was going by Escobar, A Z was going by Sosa. The so, real Sosa. What do you mean the real Sosa? Not that Chief. You know what I'm talking. Yeah, not him. Yo, the real why Sosa. We gotta bring, don't bring up Chief Keith. Leave Chief the, Keith alone, man. The real Sosa. AZ, only yes. only two Sosas I know. Sammy and, and uh, this one. And, and another <laughs> thing, another thing, guys. Foxy Brown, you are so dirty. Her verses were so dirty on that album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Foxy because I was just thinking that was the year with her album Il Nana as well. Ooh, no, yeah. Il, Il, Nana, Il Nana was 96. Oof. Oh, it was 96. Okay, 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 okay. No, because you it know what? up to it. Was yeah. because she yeah. came out with that song with Jay-Z and yes, the video I'll was released be. in 97. Yeah. It was released in 97. I'll be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she shot at the firm like, out. She was, she was firm heavy on that album. She shot at the firm out on everything. Oh, wait a minute. She, wait a minute. She wrote wait, a letter wait, to wait, the wait, firm wait, on Il Nana, if you remember. You know, yeah. I realized there's too much connections with Jay Z because he shouted out the firm <laughs> with that dumbass line that didn't he make probably any wanted sense. to be a member. He wanted to, oh, be, I guess he God. to be a member. But he said, "Tis a firm like uh, uh, Nature Nas A Z." Oh God, that was the dumbest line ever. I like that line. He shouted him out. He shouted him out, but that line before that shout out was just stupid. But even again, back to the theme of unity, like you see Jay Z and everything, you see Foxy and these guys working together, you see everybody come. Like this was before Jay Z was an elite snob in the hip hop game, where it's like, oh, if I'm gonna come on your track, it's gonna be a big deal. Like back nah, every, then, everything every, was, everybody yo, was showing. Now that I think of it, imagine Jay Z on the Firm album. <laughs> What would that have been like? I mean, you had Nori on there, but imagine if Jay was on there. Nah, That'd be crazy. But but nah, everybody was showing love. Even Foxy Brown, she she called up Master P and they did something together. So I mean, <laughs> you, you know, know what really? though? Um, well, the, only, uh, but, the only thing Foxy needs to do is work on her math. That's it. Oh God, he, he has problems with that math on affirmative action. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought it up, Tawazi, about the carnival. Going back to that, you mentioned the um, Caribbean influences. Who else do you know to take a Mighty Sparrow record? <laughs> so that was genius. And the skits. The skits on that album was hilarious, too. The skits, oh my gosh. Down the low whole court ho. theme thing. Down low ho. <laughs> I'm telling you. To me, it was like a ripoff of the whole Biggie and the whole bad boy thing with their skits, but I feel Wyclef's skits was very unique. You know what I mean? They were. But and right in front of what's that song? Street what Killer MC when he was like no not Killer when he was like Street Jeopardy when he's like you guys you got to be more of a thug more of a gangster more guns more this <laughs> come on I'm not feeling it man more hardcore exactly, exactly. And, and you can see after the carnival was a bit of a change with the eclectic three years later yeah and I love I love staying alive I love staying alive with the whole BG's thing and what was oh. that Saturday night was that yeah. Saturday night fever. Yep. Yep. Great homage. Great homage. Yo, Jaforte killed it, but Pros did his thing at the end, too. Now, I think Jaforte had the hardest verse on that. (laughs) He did. I'm more just a Rama. You still a small timer. I love love how he flows. I love how Forte flows. He killed it, man. That's also my my rap brother, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he cut his dreads. You got did a he cut his dreads? Wait, he cut his dreads? Yeah, he did cut his dreads. Oh, he cut it. So, so that means, so, so what does that mean? You next? 
Yo, I ain't gonna lie. I thought Forte and Jamar were also cousins the way they looked with dreads. <laughs> Damn. Well, they right in your family tree, T.O. Max um, family tree, word. But 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 also now here's another interesting one. Um, another gentleman who, another gentleman that drops an album who we're used to seeing him in groups, um, all the time. Well, not a group, but more of a duo. Now this is a stark change because Will Smith, who released five oh, albums yeah. as, as the Fresh Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. This is a big change because I say that he drops Big Willie style, and correct me if I'm wrong when I say this, but I feel like Big Willie style, it it shows that Will Smith has grown up because he's dropping yes. the album under under his real name. He's yes. no longer the friend. And if you remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, the music was all about having fun, being silly, being goofy having a good time, you know, and they, and they talked about some like teenage or, or, or young adolescent stuff. Like, you know, parents just don't understand. And I could beat Mike mm-hmm. Tyson in summertime and all this other type of stuff. And now here he is, he's Will Smith now. And mind you, his, his profile has risen because around this time mm-hmm. that, that big Willie style has come out, the Fresh Prince just went off the air for the last time. Like yep. he's starting to and the, the movies. The movies, the movies, the movies yeah. blew up. You know how he you was playing the hits back then. You know how busy that man was? Just just alone between ninety-five to ninety-seven. Super yeah. busy. But Bad and boys, movies, men in black, and Independence Day. And and the Bad thing boys. is here. And he had that other one, right? He was in Enemy of the State, right? Yeah, and he yeah, was a year later. Don't forget he was in Wild Wild West as well. So yeah. So, but a lot of people, like, they they tend to forget that there's only one similarity between those DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince albums and Big Willie style, and that's the fact that he doesn't curse. But other than that, like, the album is like, this is like the evolution of Will Smith, and getting jiggy with it is like the biggest, best song he's known for. Do Up you guys that point, know the main summer- producers? You know the main producers on that album? Wasn't it Trackmasters, if I'm it not was mistaken? Trackmasters and LES. They were all over that album. They pro- track masters produced getting jiggy with it, with Les. Les incredible. Les and track masters had uh, joint productions on um, Will Smith. Now, now DJ Jazzy Jeff was also found in the, in the bit. He only, I think, he produced like three tracks. Yeah, he he is um, notably on. Uh, it's all I know. Good. I know. He's don't say nothing was one one of them. Don't say nothing. Right. I think it's one of them. Yeah, it's all good. Is another yes, one. Yes, that's why it's all good. Can can I say something about his album? Sure. <laughs> okay, so I actually had this CD. Now I'm gonna kind of preface this, right? So I was a big Fresh Prince fan. You know, every day you come home from school, you watch Fresh Prince on Channel 11. Yeah. Boom. Um, I had loved the Men in Black song. I knew the dance to it and everything. I had love yes, Men in Black. Yes, yes, so did I, right? so did I. <laughs> so, boom. I didn't know too much about Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff before this. I only knew about Summertime and Parents Just Don't Understand. That's all I knew about them. So so right? you basically knew Jazzy Jeff from getting thrown out the front door on TV. That's what week. I knew him from. <laughs> I, didn't, okay. I, I didn't know okay. anything. Like, you saying they had five albums. I, I'm, I was today years old when I learned that. I never knew that. <laughs> Really? But yeah, yeah never knew that. Sure. I knew they had won a Grammy like back in the day. Like he was like one of the first people to get a Grammy or something like that. 
first hip hop oh, yeah. artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jazz, jazz, and, and Fresh Prince were the first yeah. to get a Grammy. Yes, this for album in particular, I had this CD, and I had it on bootleg. I had a bootleg copy. The, the friggin' the the cover was like messed up and everything. It didn't even look like it looked like a straight fake copy. Right? Instead of a, instead of a booklet, you got a thin piece of paper in the yeah, front of the CD. Yeah, thin piece of paper. I had to, I had to like I remember I bought it on. I love this album. Loved it. My favorite song on this album is Miami. Hey. <laughs> what? I have what a song. I mean, it gets a lot of flack, the, the the whole album, because you know it's Will Smith, he didn't curse. Everybody cursed at the time, he's trying to be different. So as an adult, I feel like it's a sucker album. But my younger self was like, nah, this was fire. Like, just the two of us. But you know what? I I, I, I kind of, like, feel that's why his album sold. Because, you know, also in this time, you got to remember, in the mid to late 90s, this was the whole time where C. Dolores Tucker was, was going after rap and Bob Dole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and the parents, because I know I used to get in trouble for listening to unedited versions of rap when I was, when I was uh, younger. So I feel like this was an album, and not just this album, but every every piece of work that Will Smith ever did, you know, was like the parents could get behind it because the music is clean. Not only is the music clean, but it's not like they took a dirty album and just edited it. Like he wasn't talking yeah. about nothing. Like there was no talk about about scantily clad women. There was no, no gangster talk. There was no, no drug killing, talk. None of that. Like it was like you could art make the art. You we can sit here and make the argument that Will Smith is like arguably the most cleanest most wholesome rapper, rapper ever. Am I wrong or am I right? Even you're, to that point... You're, you're correct. I feel like that's some sucker shit because, and I'll say this because, mind you, I listen to his music. He doesn't curse at all. I'm like, okay, he in Fresh Prince. He's not, like, it's very family-oriented. But then I've seen him in a couple movies and it's like he cursing and he doing this in his movies. So it's just like, it didn't connect to me and that's why I started to not I like Will you. anymore. I can help you with that. He clarified that in an interview. Okay. When he originally started writing his raps when he was very young, he was cursing. He was writing raps like nothing was recorded. He was writing raps in his notebook. Uh, his grandmother found the notebook. And she she didn't yell at him. She didn't criticize him. She said, you are an educated young man. You can write your raps without cursing show people that you don't have to curse. Show them that you can articulate yourself better by using your words in the right way, without cursing. Mm -hmm. And till this day, he thinks about that when it comes to his music. With the movies, I understand, I get you. It's a script, he's, he's cursing, he's saying all that. Mm -hmm. But when it came to the music, he always said it. He remembers what his grandmother told him. And he sticks with that and he holds on to that whenever he's writing he's like okay i'm gonna show the people i am an articulate writer i respect everybody that raps how they raps but i remember what she told me and it stayed with him till this day and you also gotta remember Tawasi at the same time you write though i understand where you're coming from he's writing yeah. his own raps for a song he is given a script to say that's the true that's true and the music he writes his own stuff and and, and the he's movie, giving the somebody wrote a the script for him he's, he's getting a script in the that's movie that's a good so. point but okay, yeah, i feel you Go ahead, you, you you know what also i find remarkable about this album 
you would think somebody who who took a four year break from music because Code Red with DJ Jazzy Jeff was his last album before this. You would think yep. somebody who took a four year and not only did he take a four year break from music, he was constantly busy on the TV side of things. So you oh, would yeah. think he has all this other stuff going on, Fresh right? Prince. And he's got Fresh Prince, all these movies. You would think somebody who really didn't have time for music would would do would, would come back with a lackluster album and he didn't. I give Five him, million I, sales. I get I give him credit. I give him credit. Didn't, Me too. Didn't, didn't some didn't he win a Grammy for something off this album too? He was big at the VMAs. He smoked yeah, yeah, them at he, the VMAs. He, yeah, he, he smoked, smoked them. them. Yeah. yeah, he with that and, album right there. And I think VMAs was happy that someone you know. Again, hip hop was, you know, had cuss words, but you know, this is Will Smith, and he's just showing you, like, yo, regardless, I could still do an album without cussing, and it would still be great and fun, you know. You needed those type of records too. You know, you know, instantly I thought of Eminem once you mentioned that. <laughs> he's a nice guy. Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet nah, you. <laughs> when, when, when Eminem said what he said on uh, the Real Slim Shady, because oh, yeah. when Will when Will accepted his award, he said that. On MD at the VMAs, I don't kill anybody in my records. I don't curse in my records. So it kind of, you know, it made it made a, a lot of people that curse felt away, and they started throwing shots. That's at what that's what I was saying because <laughs> it's like up until this point, I was a big fan of his, right? And musically, not musically from back in the day, but I mean from like seeing him on TV, all this stuff. And then he comes on the awards, he says that because I remember the exact moment you're talking about. And I mm-hmm. just felt like it was a shot at everybody because it's like people <laughs> doing their thing now. And you're like, right. yo, I'm this wholesome guy. I got a family and I got my kid in the video. And it's like all these people got families too. Like you can't never knock yeah. somebody else for what they do because you don't do it. And I, like he always gives these back. Like I keep real I'm not a Will Smith fan this day and age. Like now, me, 2020, I'm not. A, I can't stand him. And I respect him. Why, why, can't why him. can't you stand Will Smith? Because of the entanglement? Oh God! <laughs> I feel like everything Will does to this day is for like the hype and the the, the fame and him jumping off of buildings and him doing the Shiggy challenge. No, he's living top. his life. No, he is living his life, but it's just like he tries to say because he's rich, he's gonna do it on another level that normal people won't do it. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. And I just, I just don't like the man. I feel like this whole thing, I feel like that was even a stunt, a publicity stunt, and they just wanted to bring more eyes to her red room table, and all, like it's just it's just for the hype, you know? But that's I not what you're saying. <laughs> I but, love the guy. I mean, I, I, love, in, I love Will Smith. In, but in, I the context, in the context of time, though, because, you know, Biggie just died, Pac died the year before, like, Rap was dominated by gangster music. I feel like 97 kind of needed this album. Because even it though did. things had cooled off between East and West, you still heard, like, violence on No Way Out. You still heard violence. Like, you know, violence was still heavy in rap at the time. So it I was feel refreshing. like yeah. it, was, it was a change of pace. It was refreshing, like you just said. And it was yeah. different. And, and, and a lot of other rappers, like you said, they, they criticize Will Smith because, you know, he's the happy guy. He don't curse. Like he don't have no drug talk, no getting like you know he's different. But and like and and I've heard people like Tawazi said he's is a sucker album. But you know I, the thing is too. To be fair, I like the I love the album. I had the album like I said, but 
the reason why I give it so much, like just him and that time, especially so much backlash, you take it back to 96, right? Um, my, I didn't listen to gangster rap, you know what I mean? I didn't listen to Juicy, I didn't listen to all those songs. So I remember I was like fourth or fifth grade, and I'm like, no, rap music is violent, and you know the type of stuff. I was a Disney kid, um, not really Disney, but Nickelodeon and stuff like that. So you see right. all these positive oh, images. Oh, I get it. Like, you was a wild and crazy kid, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great you show. Know, you got Great T- show. TGIF Friday, Family yeah. all that stuff. So you have all these good images. But then when I started hearing, like, really listening to Biggie, and for example, a song that came out in '97 that I heard. Ladies' night with um Lil Kid. Oh, 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 One of your favorites, Mac. Angie <laughs> Martinez dropped your favorite verse. Yes, that song. Take a song like that, right? Now I remember I heard the song. I saw the video on TV, right? So you know the clean version. So I get the Nothing to Lose CD. So I mm-hmm. hear the Ladies' Night. I'm like, okay, Ladies' Night, and you hear it, and the part where Left Eye says, um, something, 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 suck my dick holes, or something like that. She said she did say that. Like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, and I'm like, wait, she's cursing, and I'm like, this is wild, and. It's like you're being introduced to negative slang and then you start to listen to Biggie and stuff. And you're like, nah, like, it's real shit that goes on in the hood. So I feel like Will was trying, like, I'm not going to knock him to say he's putting out a positive image and all that type of stuff. But rap was real. Like, I was living in Bed-Stuy. So you're seeing crackheads, you're seeing gangsters. Oh, you couldn't wear red and blue book bags to school. So it's like these people, J&M is speaking to what we're experiencing in life. Will and them sold me a fantasy, like, oh, yeah, getting jiggy with it. Nah, 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 nah. That wasn't what was going on in the hood, you know? <laughs> you know you needed both. And who knows yeah, what's both. happening in Philadelphia, too, by the way. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm glad you guys brought that up, because when you think of the Philly, Philly, Philadelphia scene and look at the rappers that come from that scene, you know, Will, he separates himself from the rest of the pack, because he is different. And, you know, that's what that's what made him unique. And it's funny with uh, Big Willie style, when you look at the, the credits and the track listings, you know, you 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 had some Nas, Nas was on there as a writer. You know, when you when, oh, when wow. you look it up, the song called Chasing Forever and, you know, mm. Nas relationship with L.A.S. and track master. So I'm not surprised that they, he probably wasn't around. But, yeah, he has a credited on there. And. uh what I loved about the album, uh, the song Candy, <laughs> which everybody talks about uh, with the sample, you know, from Cameo, it's like Candy, yeah. that record. Yeah. I love Will's Will's use of metaphors where he named every single candy you could think of. That's creative. <laughs> he put that in the first. <laughs> that is creative. He's like, he was he was like, your man is a hater. I'm gonna give him a jawbreaker, something like that. You know, it is. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool, but I, I I totally get your guys' point as far as uh, the clean versus the dirty. It's a yeah. It was it was a big big thing for '97. And you and you ain't gonna find no parental advisory because there is no parental advisory. Yeah. Nah, Will Smith. Uh, but uh, also, 97, we get a number of debuts. So we touched on Mace earlier with Harlem World. We, we spoke about Missy Elliott briefly um, with Super Duper Fly, which I Can't Stand the Rain is like my, my favorite my favorite Great on song. that whole album. Um, Great song. The Hot Boys dropped for the first time in 97. Uh, Death Row is on life support, but The Lady of Rage drops in 97 as well. 
we spoke about that in a previous episode where uh, we still can't believe Easy Mo B was producing for for Death Row and um, Capone and Noriega to War Report. Which, oh uh, my hey. God! It's very, oh very, man! Very slept oh on. man! Beautiful, beautiful album. Yes, CNN. I mean, L.A., L.A., big city of dreams, and I could I could go on. But, um, yeah, so 97 is a year of debuts, and they, I think they, every... They should have called the album uh, CNN featuring Tragedy Gaddafi, because that man was everywhere. Yeah, oh, Tragedy was all... Yeah, yeah, he was all over. Another, another relative another relative of T.O. But, uh... Um, <laughs> that album, that album is just so dark and so gritty and so grimy. If anybody wants to know anything about Queensbridge and Left Rack City, a.k.a. Iraq, listen to that album. It'll tell you all about it. Mm. Which continues the uh, the gangster themes of uh, of rap, but no, I, like I, I feel like '97 because and like we said earlier, because Big had died and Pac died the year before, it just opened the floodgates for for all these new. And you know what? I'm this is gonna be controversial, but I feel like after Big dying, this opened the doors for the South. And I and like. I remember we spoke about this on the 95 Source Awards episode, which is in the archives. Mm. You can go back and listen to it. That when Outkast won their award, they got booed off the stage and nobody really yeah. knew who they was. And yeah. now you got now in 97 and, and beyond, you got you've got people paying attention to like I feel like 97 is like the New Orleans come up year. You know what I mean? Because now you got people paying atten- more attention to Masterpiece. You got people paying attention to the Hot Boys. You got people paying attention to BG, Big Timers, and all these other people. And then also, you know, now Outkast is... And, and, and I said it on that episode, and I say it again. I feel like if people knew at the time what Outkast was going to turn out to be, they would have never got booed. Agreed. I they won that award at the wrong time. Because nobody... If, if you wasn't East or West, nobody was checking for you. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it was beef time, and you had this group coming out of nowhere. You're like, who are they? And the group's not involved in the beef at all. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, so I feel like this. If Biggie and Pac had never died, I feel like the South would have either still been regional, or they would have just never got no play at all. Like, I feel like their albums would have sold, and people would have fucked with their music in those regions. But I, I think it would have took longer. It probably would have taken because even though Big and Pac, you know, were, were on top, you still had Scarface. You still yeah, had but, you still had other yeah, people. Yeah, but, but the, re- were, but the, re- but the reason why you had Scarface is because he, he mind playing tricks on me blew up mainstream. But like it for did. example, take BG for example, right? A lot of niggas to this day, I, I go to bar because every time I go to get my hair cut, we talk rap in the barbershop. Niggas don't know about the original Chopper City. A lot of niggas don't know about the original Chopper City. Right. You talk to somebody about yeah, Master you're people. Right. You talk to somebody about Master P before BET did No Limit Chronicles. Niggas, niggas knew Master P from Nickelodeon. Like, well, you gotta, well, you gotta understand it like this. You come from that region. When you come from that region, example, I'm from Queens. Ask people what's Fifty Cent's first album. What, what would they tell you? Get Richard, Get Richard Guy trying. That's yeah. not his first album. Guess nope. who's back is his first. No. Nope. Power nope. of the dollars. They, is they, they, oh yeah, they, they, I don't they, count they, that because it didn't come out. No, no, no. no see, yes, it see, was. it's the same thing with Eminem's Infinite album. You see what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know somebody that knows that 
and they will tell you, or you come from that background and you understand it and you know, no, this is the one that came out first or what have you. So I understand, like, you would know more about Chopper City and BG way much, much more than I do. I didn't know that until you told me. I mean, when I was listening to, you know, Master P and them, I, I knew P, obviously, and then when Cash Money came out, I knew who they were. But I didn't know about the prior stuff that came out before if you personally didn't put me on because you come from that era. So talking to you educated me on that. Or it's like even even Three Six Mafia was coming out with music for years and didn't yes. really get a break till like 2000. Yes. So it's just like, I don't know. I feel like if, if they would have never, I feel like with Bone Thugs, even though that's Midwest, I feel Bone Thugs is different because Easy put them on and Easy already had an audience from being from the West. You feel me? So And I need to point out, I'm glad you brought, I need to point out, what did we talk about earlier with Jay-Z giving Master P that cosign? Being a Jay-Z fan, exactly. Being a Jay-Z fan, like, hmm, Master P, he shouted him out. Let me see what Master P's music is about. Maybe I'll like it. Nah, it's it interesting that you guys bring up all of this because I'm looking at it from the perspective of, like, I, like so first off, music was harder to discover back in the days than it is now. Yeah, because all we really had was radio. There was no internet. Yeah, and it wasn't. Love. You really had to like get be in the magazines and all that type of stuff, and it wasn't out mm-hmm. there like that. But mm-hmm. with all that being said, now I look at myself. I was a like a MTV kind of boy, like VH1, MTV, BT yes. sometimes. But you know, and like you really had to find those type of things. And I learned about the down south movement from my cousin because my cousin loved masterpiece. Loved mm. all that Project Pat, Pastor Troy, all those dudes. He used to play them, but I really like. He just used to have them on the background. I didn't know what it was, and I knew Masterpiece first because of um, what you call it when he came out with Make Him Say Oh. I was like, okay. I didn't know about the other stuff like Mr. Ice Cream Man and all that type of stuff. I didn't know about that until my cousin put me on. But I remember the first time I heard Juvenile when he had Ha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the same time I heard him. <laughs> I, I, to this day, people ask me to translate that song. And I know it's not 97. I know it's not 97. But when I heard Ha for the first time, and I was just like, what is this? And I saw the video at like 2 o'clock in the morning, and that's the only time I would see it is at 2 o'clock in the morning. I wouldn't see it after school, no crazy times like that. But I would see it, and I'm just like, who is this white tea-wearing-ass freaking Jamboji? <laughs> you know, I, I feel the same way, man. That's the first time I saw him on Planet Groove, that that type of countdown on BET. Yeah. And I saw this. I was like, what the hell? I was laughing. Because I was like, that dude, that badass bitch. He, he, made, he made a hit. He made a hit. Go he made a hit up. asking questions. He made a hit asking questions. <laughs> how, do you, how do you make a song and the title is all in the verse, but the hook has nothing to do with it? You a paper chaser? You got your black? Oh, oh, my, my, only Juvenile would do something like that. So shout out to Juvenile, man. Shout out to Juvenile. Even though Master P opened, like, I feel like Master P opened the door for the South. I mean, no disrespect to Outkast, but from a commercial standing, mainstream, yes, Master P was the one who opened that door, but Juvenile was the, like, Master P cracked it, Juvenile yes. kicked that door down, like, nah. He sure did. He sure did. That up, it was over. Cash Money Records, 2009, 2000. Can you translate that to Alfred? Go you go to the back there with your back. <laughs> what was he saying on the record, Al? You know what? Hey man, that's 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 the ultimate ass song. 
<laughs> you you got to come with a New Orleans. I, I mean, I mean, bro. I mean, he he was the nigga with the cash here, spending cash here. Like, like, there we go, there we go. That's like, like that, that's what it that's what it translates to. I'm glad you can translate it out. So something I want to touch on with you guys real quick because I remember this from '97. This was I don't even know if this was '97. I can't remember, but when they did the when they remade the Sugar Hill Gang joint. Oh, you talking about Death Squad? Yeah, yeah Death Squad, yes, but um, yes. they called it they called it Death Squad Delight on the El Nino album. Yeah, when they remade that, what do you guys think of? Because that was '97, right? It might have been. It could have been close '97, '98, around uh, in between, between that time. I loved it. I I, I honestly loved it. And shout out to my cousin uh, Rodney because that we we. Stayed playing that El Nino album over and over and over. When we heard Def Squad Delight, we just kind of went along with it. And they shot a video. It was it was great. The hip hop, yeah. it, it was it was perfect. I liked it. Yeah. Oh, actually, well, the album did come out in '98, but I think yeah. that song, I think that song did come out like way late of '97 though. Yeah, because it was on something else. They actually did. It was a hip hop uh, compilation album where rappers were paying homage to the old school records that same cd puffy is rapping big old butt yes he did. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah they they you you had these rappers come out and pay you know honorary respect to timeless hip-hop songs and def squad was one of those guys that did it on that same cd you know it's funny we talk about 1997 and um you know it's funny you mentioned def squad but we forgot about Karis one's i got next album Ooh. It's funny you bring that up because here we go. You know, even though uh, you know, I, I was with your daughter at the Latin Quarter, but um, <laughs> yeah, we need to talk about that. After this album, I don't fuck with KRS-One no more. I feel like after I got next, it's just over for me. Like the music, just I was tired of being preached to after that, you know. And I feel like I feel like I got next is such a mainstream album. And, it, and and it's funny to me because KRS-One was not a mainstream guy, but he got Puff Daddy on the song, on the single. Right. right. Like KRS-One wasn't going to dance with nobody daughter at the Latin Quarter until Puff Daddy came along. And that, that goes to show, show you how the trends, yeah, and the trends and the whole old like that's not his style, but he has to adjust to that to try to stay afloat. <laughs> Bro. Bro, this man was making records about stopping the violence and being a vegan and all this other type of shit. And out of nowhere, Puff, like, bro, I, I listen and, and rap, yo, Ratchet's Delight, I like the remix with Puffy more than I like the original version, which I know a lot of people will look at me like, yo, are you fucking crazy? But <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, like, I just, and then just the whole album in and of itself, like, I just feel... Like, it was just so... Ma- like, if KRS-One wanted to go out, leave the mainstream with a bang, that was the best way to do it. Because mm. after after I got next, he had that beef with Nelly, and then that was it for him. I mean... Well, hey, he's the KRS-One. Oops, he lied. He's one, two, three, four, and five. Step into <laughs> I mean... You know what? And, and it's funny. I'm glad you because because it goes back to the LL thing. Now you have these pioneer rappers, these old school rappers. Try how many of them 
from that from that eighties decade were around in nineteen ninety seven putting out music. Not many. What did you What did you have to do? What formula <laughs> no, did you yeah. have to follow? Like Tawazi said, LL followed it. It went platinum. Hardcore hip hop fans were like, "What are you doing?" So imagine if if Chris followed that formula, we'd look at him even more crazy. Or if Chris started be... coming out with shiny suits and doing stuff like that, you would never you would never see KRS do something like that. Imagine for the record, can... phenomenon was whack. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm not gonna say it's whack. I'm not gonna say it's whack. Was it was it a I, great I, album? I never no. listened to the album. I just know that song. Something like it with a Especially you following up off of Mr. Smith, right, which was right. a classic album, right, and you go right. to Phenomenon. Is like I, I mean, think Hello Cool J should have been finished right there. His 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 rap style on that song Phenomenon was something to be desired. He was he was speaking in a very low tone. Baby girl was draped in Chanel, so she loves Tupac. But speak louder. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, go, that. Go, going back to KRS for just one second. I think he should have went with that Puff Daddy remix of Rapture's Delight. And it was produced by the Hitmen. Like, yes. that's the formula right there. Stevie J had his hands all over that. Mm-hmm. And as far as LL Cool J's Phenomenon goes, like, like, I skip over Phenomenon. Like, I fuck with LL Cool J hard body. Then there's Mr. Smith. I skip Phenomenon and go straight to the GOAT. Like, yeah, I don't know. Understandable. At least the GOAT was a bit better than Phenomenon. Yeah. It was. But after, but after the goat, I'm 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 done with LL. After, I'm not checking for LL after the goat. After the goat, that's where I draw the line. Like like I tell oh, you yeah. every week on this podcast, there are certain lines that I draw it. And like I said on the last episode of albums that disappointed us, there is even a line there I draw with Ma- there there is even a line I draw with Master P. And y'all know how much I love the Colonel. Ooh wee! <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. I don't oh, want to revisit that. Ooh, <laughs> Bro, every time I hear that, it's just like, ooh-wee, like, that should hurt. Ooh-wee-wee. Wee. We, we, we should take a trip to France and say, ooh-wee-wee. Wee. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. But, uh, oh, and before we wrap up 97, we can't talk about 97 without, you know, and, and y'all know how I feel about the chief of police out in Brentwood. Oh, Lord, come oh, on, God, man. What go. you mean, come on? The this chief of police on, Must you bring that guy up? This guy just don't learn. <laughs> But EPMD gets back together for back in business in 1997. Yes. Thank God. We missed those I guys. was so happy. I was so happy. I'll never forget the video. That video for that song. Man. Oh, the they, joint? They, for, exactly. For that song. Let me tell you guys. In the beginning, when you hear it on the radio, EPMD broke up. Everybody was upset. It was legit. People were very angry about that and sad about that. Well, and then when well, they got well, back you know, together, you, it was you cool. You know, at one o'clock in the morning, you know, Parrish went to the 7-Eleven to go get some strawberry oh, filling. Bring it up. Bringing up that beef garbage again. Here we go. What do you mean garbage? Bringing up that beef garbage. Parrish was interviewed for the project and said what he went can to you, do. Can you talk about the reunion in 1997, please? Instead we got to We got to put context into it. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. But you could do that without bringing up that DVD. No, you can't. They broke and up. That fake, because... And that fake chief of police. What fake <laughs> chief of police? That was from the third precinct. What are you talking fake. about? Oh, the third. Oh, oh, so you know the precinct. You writing statements now? No, they. No, they <laughs> said it in the in the documentary. What you work at that precinct. You no, work I do at that not. precinct. I've only been to Brentwood, Long Island twice in my life. Okay, 
But you know, uh, we went out there for that. I didn't go out there for that. I knew people. I know people in Brentwood. What are you talking about? Uh huh. Including the chief of police. Okay. I don't know the chief of police. Yo, stop trying to set me up. We got gangsters that listen to this podcast. You set you set yourself up by bringing up that nonsense. So just anyway, focus on EPMD. Yeah. So they broke up because you know Eric and Parrish had to fall out because apparently Eric Eric set up Parrish to get robbed and whatnot because you know allegedly the man, allegedly the man allegedly. came back from the Seven Eleven with the strawberry fillies to find his man's tied up in the garage. And he ended up on and he ended up on the tour bus with the same guy. Who, who, who was gonna rob him? But anyway, where's Keith David when you need him? Keith David actually did the, the whole thing for beef too. So maybe we should get him on here to re- repeat what you said. <laughs> Keith David. Yeah, Keith yeah, David did the, the narration. Now well, that's what he did. He, right, he did the narration for that. Well, DVD. Apparently, he's too busy on Greenleaf. Well, it was. <laughs> Shout out to know. Keith David. But um, but yeah, they get back in business, and ironically, back in business is the only. Is the only uh, EPMD album I don't have physically. I have all the others. I just don't have. I just don't have back in business. But I've heard it because you know, shout outs to title and whatnot. But it's uh, a good album. It's it a was good a good album. It's a good there album. Was, there was one song that made me laugh because I was like, where the hell did these guys come? From? Not where did they come from, but where the hell have they been? And I'm talking about intrigue with DOS effects because prior to oh, that. Yeah. Dos Effects went to sleep, bro. Yeah, and, and, and for them to appear like that, I was like, yo, where the hell have these guys been? But And that goes to show you the impact of EPMD breaking up because you had the Hit Squad. They went and with the Parrish. And the Death Squad went with, uh, went with, with, with right. uh, Eric. Went with Eric. And look, look, what, look what running with Eric produced. Redman was fine. Redman did his thing. Keith, Keith Murray, Murray got put on. He got put on. He did fine. The people that ran with Parrish, unfortunately, their careers didn't go the way okay, it was so supposed to be going. Da- right. Das effects. Right. And if so you look coming at back it, together, that's it works. That's, that's true because Parrish's side, on an individual standpoint, Red Redman alone has accomplished more than than K Solo and Das Effects ever did together. Agreed. So, I mean, and Keith Murray is Keith Murray. You know, he, he says it's the beautiful, most beautifulest thing he's ever seen, but. Um, but um, but yeah, intrigued is dope. I like the joint. Richter scale oh, is yeah, what really brought great. them back. But my first Richter note, scale, and you know, I, I think it's safe to assume ever since our posse cuts episode, also available in the archive. Um, keeping it, keeping moving is also uh, one of my favorites with EPMD Redman and Keith Murray. And it was good to see them together again. It really was. And of it was, course, they, it, it was, and of it, course, was called, it, it should have called it EPM Death Squad. That's what they called it. Called it. <laughs> and of course, EPM Death Squad. and of course, they keep up the trend. They just had to bring Jane back just to kill her again. Oh, oh you know, Lord. you can't have an EPMD <laughs> well, out without Jane. That's like that's like the fifth one, right? <laughs> the only thing I didn't like was that we did not need a, a, a updated 1997 version of You Got's to Chill. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't feeling that either. But but yeah, but you know what that song showed you? You know what that song showed you? What? How Eric has evolved as an MC. Yeah. P changed his style completely. He's always been the slow flower, like he said, but it was completely different this time. He was having more of a conversational rap with his style instead of flowing. You know what I mean? He was he looking back at it, he kind of set the blueprint for Silk the Shocker. But Silk took it another level. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he he was using punchlines when you when you when you look at it like 
at that time in 1997, I make a million bucks every six months. And y'all hating my game, saying my name. They call me to eat, pull strings, knowing I'm fly without wings. Like he was just rapping, putting right, metaphors right. together. Yeah, that's what he was doing. So, um, yeah. Shout out to the Green Eye Bandit. He is the Green Eye Bandit for sure. So uh, we, we've covered everything we possibly could in 1997. So to... Uh, to end to end things, we'll go around the room oh, like we normally shit. do. Yo, what? what 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 happened? You know what's funny? Remember when you mentioned pioneers from the eighties? Didn't Rock yeah. Kim have the eighteenth letter in ninety seven? Yeah, but he did. He did, but is it really worth talking about? Because I didn't like that album. And I we did a, mention EPMD. We did mention them too. So, I'm, yeah. I'm not even gonna lie. I wasn't a fan. I mean, I like Rod's lyrics, but I I just felt like he was a bit off production wise. Now, if anything with Premier, I agree with you. If if he I agree like with you, man. like his second coming after Eric B's Premier, I could deal with that. But I had that album on CD, so I know exactly what you mean. Like when I heard it. But I, I, I mean, deal with the rest. Of the I, album. I I hate I hate to say this, but like I said, I I draw the line with every artist somewhere. I mean, some artists like you know, <laughs> so, some artists like Drake. You know, there is no line, not yet, but like I drew a line. With, I drew I drew a line way back then. <laughs> oh, stop it! Y'all drew a line I before drew, you got started. I, 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 yeah, but, we drew a line when he got yeah, out of wheelchair. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I I anyway, drew a line the moment I heard him rap. But with with, with Rakim, I draw the line in '92. After he and Eric B split, I had no. In, I really didn't have no interest in in Rakim. I'm not even gonna lie, y'all gonna hate me when I say this. I drew a line when they did the St. Ives commercial. Really? <laughs> you drew a line from back then for real? I did. I didn't like when they did the St. Ives commercial. I, I I like I liked it, but it just wasn't them. They didn't need no St. Ives commercial. I felt like I don't even know if that's the last thing they ever did. Besides, don't sweat the technique and stuff. You know, I'm. It, it's amazing you brought that up because it goes to show you with with artistry. And if you believe in something and if you represent something and you do something totally different from what you, what you're putting out there. So I kind of get where you're coming from, uh, Matt, because when you listen to Ra, what is Ra? He's five percent nation, yeah. Islam and clean lifestyle, no drinking. You and, know what and, I mean? Like, and another yeah. thing is sometimes when, when you when you used to people with certain duos, like, say, for instance, we know Eric being Ra Kim. That's the bread and butter. Pete Rock and CL Smooth. That's bread and butter. Um, EPMD. That's bread and butter and stuff. It's just like after that, it's it's like like what Al said earlier today about taking a risk. Once you go solo from a specific group, it's like taking a risk. It is. You tell I me. Mean, like we like, and that's a, that's another point because up until that point. We never heard Eric B. I mean Eric B. We never heard Rock him without Eric B. on on um producing or DJing. Uh -huh. So you know it's a risk, and I'm sad to say, and you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to disrespect Rock him a lot, but like it didn't it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work without Eric. Still B. a legend. He's still oh, a legend. legend. Yeah. Still great. No, yeah. <laughs> but some formulas just should not be broken. Yeah. But that brings us to the end of 97. So we're going to go around the room like we do every episode. And we'll start with Tawazi since he's our guest. Um, sure. Your overall opinion and what you think the legacy of 1997 should be and what defines it. So go ahead, my friend. Okay. The legacy. What should be the legacy of 1997? I feel like we discussed in this episode is just like 
kind of changing up the guard, kind of. And it's like everything was wide open in hip hop. And it's like, it's either you're going to be hungry and try to get that spot or you're not going to get it. Musically or as a collective, like, because 1997 is one of my favorite years in wrestling, music, like TV, movie, like a lot of great things happened in 97, especially some of 97. But I mean, overall, I just feel like it was a great year for music, especially hip hop in general, you know? And it's one of those years you can look back on and it'll be timeless forever with stuff like Life After Death. Like my first, I brought my first CD in 1997 and my first CD that I ever purchased was Freak Nasty. You know, I put my hand up on your hip. When I dip, you dip, we dip. That's the first Mm -hmm. CD I ever purchased. So it's memorable for me in so many ways, you know? Okay. What about you, T.O.? I was going to say the same thing. It's it's mostly memorable because it's not only the music, but let's, but even the magazines. Like, even the magazines that we didn't talk about, like the source. Like, people forget, like, when it comes to music, the Rolling Stones was always on top. A lot of people forget 97. The source sort of made competition with the Rolling Stones as far as magazines go because we was we were in depth with a lot of things in music. The yeah. you know we talk about the clean image, the the positivity, the street talks, street uh credits and all that stuff. I will say 1997 is really memorable uh based on the transition of hip hop. So once you go from like the streets to like the shiny suit era, even though you still heard about guns and drug talks, it was a different. How will I say it? It was a different type of saying in hip hop. So we we in a different era. But I felt like that that shiny suit era was a bit short until someone named DMX, you know, helped revive the streets. In my mm-hmm. opinion, shout out, mm-hmm. shout, out to the, shout out to the dog, man. Shout out to the dog. Yeah. Shout out to the That's dog. But yeah, 90, 97 was a bit memorial, but it's it's tough to say that, especially when we lost big. And when you talk about 97, the first thing people want to say or bring up is the death of Notorious B.I.G. True. And um, QG, what about you? In the times of darkness, there is um, um, there's moments of light. And yeah, the, the death of the Notorious Big will always be a part of 1997. It's something that you will never, ever, ever forget. And um, but there was an opening for creativity in 1997. There was a desire to bring something different, something that no one has ever seen before. And opportunities arose for artists. It gave chance for artists who were already established to reinvent themselves, to find out who they were, not only as artists, but as people. And you guys mentioned about the magazines, you mentioned about the fashion, you mentioned about the style of music, the production changed. And that, will always resonate with me because much like Tawazi said, I I am also, and of course all of us here, we're all wrestling fans. And uh, to see the transition of where hip hop was and where it was going, it really makes you appreciate growing up as a hip hop fan because you got to see the transition. You got to see all these errors and we've become a part of it. It's in our life. It's in our DNA. And, Thankfully, we could look back at it now. We're in 2020. We could look back and still talk about 
1997 and be very proud of that year. Mm. 100% agree. And uh, I got to agree with Tawazi. I think, like, like it's a change in the guard year. Um, as far as, like, it's like an open competition. It's open to anybody who could dominate rap. I still think of it as mostly a bad boy year just because when I think of 1997, if you if you tell me 19, what, what, what comes to mind in 1997 to rap, No Way Out, Life After Death, and Harlem World, all are, like, what, the first things I'm going to say. So I agree because it feels like Bad Boy did dominate '97 to the fullest. They did. Even yeah, even they with, did. even with Biggie's death. Yeah, yeah they did. I mean, even though I think like I think Life After Death blew up because Biggie died, and you know, like Suge Knight said on his Showtime special, Jimmy Iovine told him, the "Dead man will always sell the most records." So I I feel like. Not saying that Life After Death was a bad album or or, or or Biggie couldn't do it on his own, but I feel like him dying, people felt like they had to buy the album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially yeah, because yeah. he died a, two weeks before it, it was supposed to drop. So, right. right. And you know what's scary? Before we, we leave out of here, that album was supposed to drop Halloween of 96. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Originally it was supposed to drop, and they pushed it back. Because of the accident, um, the car accident or whatever, right? Yes, because of the car yeah. accident, which yeah. I don't understand why that would be a reason to push the album back. But because hey. he can't really go and do the promo that he was supposed to do. Like, yeah, you know, he couldn't. It was, yeah, like, on promo like radio right. tours, you doing shows, that. interviews. Well, that's true. He couldn't. He couldn't move anywhere. So but yeah, at that time. Yeah. My my personal opinion, I felt like Biggie should have waited before going to L.A. That was his ultimate downfall. Yeah. On going back to Cali, on the intro of the track, before the actual song starts, when Puff says, yo, we going to LAX, you hear how Biggie says Cali? I think that was, I don't think that was staged. I think that was his legit reaction. I don't think that was staged either. I agree with you. I think I, that was legit reaction to it. I personally think he did not want to go. And I think that, because even his mom didn't want him to go. Valetta, Miss Wallace did not want him out there. Shaquille O'Neal warned him. Shaquille O'Neal warned him. They ran into each other. That scene you see in the uh, Notorious where he got that tattoo, Shaq was there. And Shaq ran into him and he was telling him, like, yo, big, be careful out here. You know, and Shaq, Shaq was, um, him and big was supposed to link up. He was supposed to be at that party, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, and nine, nine, 96 to 97 season was Shaq's first season with the Lakers, too. So. Yeah, yeah. So all of that, I agree with you guys, man. I I, I wish Biggie wasn't out there. If he if he didn't go out there, he, he wouldn't. Like, the, the whole the Tupac thing's different because Tupac could have went to Vegas and not rushed Orlando Anderson and could have left alive. Or even if he didn't yeah. rush Orlando, he could have just not went to 662, stayed in his room, went the next day and went back to went back to L.A. and... I mean, they might have caught him later, but he would have got out of Vegas that night. But agreed. And again, the time it was off when he went to, because you know, this is six months later after Pac is dead, it's and like it's too soon. And like Tawasi mentioned way, way earlier, the hype from the media played a part of it. So it, it almost felt like Big, if you come to L.A., it's going to be a hit on you. But you not only that, people in L.A. they love Tupac. They loved Pac, and Pac was bit, was feuding with Biggie. And not only that, Pac was M.O.B. Pac was running around with real gangbangers. I mean, yes. some some people say that Puff had had gangbanging associates, but Biggie wasn't. I don't think Biggie was 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 deep in the in the in the in the trenches with the gangs like Pac was. Pac was in the hood. Biggie wasn't in the hood hanging with gangbangers. So, 
And a lot of people will tell you Big wasn't that type of guy. So, you know, just like just like Pac was hanging around with, with Jack and, 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 and Jimmy and all them guys, Biggie wasn't hanging around with them. I think Biggie was strictly just, you know, I'm not trying to say he, I'm not trying to downplay him as a person because I didn't know him. But like he wasn't out out there like that if y'all get what I'm trying to say. So he he wasn't entrenched in that lifestyle. Correct. You know so yes. Yeah. So and the crazy thing. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Nah, the crazy thing about it, like we all had mentioned earlier, is just like this. The thing that's so sad to me is like these are two men that had a personal problem, and then the media was the one that spun it like East Coast versus West Coast. But it's just like, yo, me and Alfred got a beef and that's our beef. And then now everybody else wants to be in it and then it made it more than what it really was. You know what I mean? Like you said, the whole Orlando Anderson thing, that had nothing to do with East Coast, West Coast. He just ran into some guy, rushed him, beat him up, and then homeboy came back or whoever came back and did their thing. Well, you know well he saw he saw Orlando as like you know because there were rumors that you know they used to work security for Puff, so he and they tried to rob his man's of the death row chain. So he's he didn't even see it as he saw it as, yo this guy is 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 from Bad Boy. Let me go hand put hands on him. So, mm-hmm. but 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 what you said to is correct because he there was there was a whole it was a problem between two individuals and people just chose to get involved because Mob Deep. Jay-Z, Nas, they got, Pac brought them into it. Um, the only reason Jay-Z even got brought into it was because Biggie said that line on Brooklyn's Finest, which was a Jay-Z song. And you know Pac's paranoid. If you say something and your man let it ride, then that, then you're going to have to get it too. That's just who Pac was. And I don't know how Hussein Fatal removed Jay-Z, but Jay-Z, you did let it right there. I mean, <laughs> And... Yeah, like, it's just crazy, and, like, I mean, and some people will misconstrue that Biggie put the dog pound and Snoop into it, so when, uh, when he was at Hot 97, he told them that uh, the dog pound is crushing the buildings or whatever he said, and they shot up the trailer in Red Hook, like, so, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of, ba- even though I don't know how Snoop said Biggie was his homeboy after that, but, hey, like, well, well Biggie, you know, Snoop and Big had a conversation, according to Snoop. But yeah, it's crazy how a conflict between two people like turn two different coasts against each other. It's just just crazy, man. Power music. And I'm and, uh, and 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 the thing is, no one did anything to stop this on time. That was right. my also this biggest issue. No one well, no, got into- no no because I don't know if you remember, but some I forgot who it was, but somebody got Jay Prince to try to mediate, and Pac wasn't having it. Just one person. But I know Big wanted Big, especially after Pac was gone, Big was on record and saying, nah, this is just something that's hyped. It's not even like that. You know, and he was saying a lot of these things. Like, I believe he was in Cali when he did that interview. And he was like, yeah, he just trying to make everything cool. He trying to bring everybody together. But the media is a messed up place where you would say, oh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And the media is going to take that soundbite and only say, GFG and whatever, like leave out the beginning and only play the other part. Right. And this and is where so and this is where when you find out certain people who had beefs, they just they just end their beef on wax, no media to be found. You just found out of nowhere, like, wait, I didn't know they ended their beef. And not only that, but like if y'all watch the ninety six VMAs where they interview Snoop and Pac backstage, 
Pac even says it. He was like, yo, there's no beef. If they want to do business, we could do business. So I'm pretty sure if money was involved, he'd have did something with Biggie. It Pac said it in an interview. Yeah, yeah Pac, Pac said it in an interview. He was like, if we could do something for the communities, if we could get, you know, businesses and schools and hospitals and the ghetto and everything like that, I'll reunite with Big, hug him and kiss him on the cheek and embrace him as my brother. He said that. And I feel like that was going to come eventually, but it's just the untimely deaths of both of them. It just never got a, ha- a chance to happen. <laughs> yeah, very untimely. And who knows if they both were alive. Will you see, like Tawazi said, will JB around as big as he is or Wayne or anyone? Who knows? Or what Jadakiss yeah. said. You know? I think everybody would have came out and been who they were supposed to be. Like, I feel like some of those things were unev- inevitable. Like, yeah. just with Juvenile and Ha. Like, I always come back to Juvenile and Ha because that was my, like, Master P had been out already, yes. But that was my introduction to South down South hip-hop, you know what I mean? And everything was there. It's just a matter of when you were going to get it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's Juvenile. Wait, I just noticed, did he try to rap the same verse again at the end of the song? But he was just talking. He he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was actually just talking this time, just having a regular conversation. How do you have it. how do you rap a verse and then say the same verse again, just talking like in a conversation? I mean, you got that subpoena for child support, huh? How about that nerve, huh? Yo, only two people do that. Is it is it safe to say that uh he kinda took something shocker style and spiced it? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Yo, y'all gotta stop hating on Super Shocker. We yo. Anyway, Shout out to Silk. I'm just joking with it. Um, so Tawazi, you mentioned at the top of the show when we when when we introduced you that uh you you film music videos and do some work. You wanna tell the people oh, yeah. what services Plug you offer stuff, and man. how to tell them. Yeah, tell them what services you everything, offer man. and how to plug it in. Plug it how in. to find you. Okay, plug 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 plug. Shameless plug. Okay, so I'm a video director. If you wanna contact me or see any of my work, just hit me up on that Instagram. It's at Tawasi Clark DP. That's T A. W-A-S-I, Clark with an E at the end, and just put the DP, no homo. (laughs) 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 You know, you put that in there, you can find me. I'll send you links to my reel. Any artists want to reach out, boom, I'm willing to work. Um, DJing, like I said, I've been DJing for 16 years, maybe. I don't even know. It's a long time. But um, you can find my DJ stuff. I'm going to just put my SoundCloud out there. So it's SoundCloud.com backslash McCool 3000. So that's M-C-C-O-O-L three, number three, zero, zero, zero. Like Andre 3000, but McCool 3000. Tell Michelle I said what up. Michelle McCool. There we go. So that's take a joint. (laughs) Yep. And um, I'll be the first person, and not just because Tawazi's my boy, but I'll be the first person to tell y'all, as far as um, photo shoots, yo, know, that man, Tawazi do some uh, good work. I've worked with Alfred already. Yep, <laughs> did did some photos for me back in the day. So his, his work is good. I can vouch for y'all. And his DJ, I never forget them days in Old Davy and Kings Plaza, bro. <laughs> I uh, appreciate I, you, my I, brother. Appreciate my you. man. If you need a DJ or a photographer or or a videographer, like link Tawazi. Um, his 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 info will be in the episode description, so you can click on it, check it out. Thank you guys oh, for having me, man. I really yeah, appreciate man. you guys. Big hey, pleasure. We thank you and for this, coming. Thank you. Yes, sir. Know.
that Kanye episode. We got to do that because Kanye, <laughs> Kanye is a genius, man. College dropout, cut school. Cut school and went and got that city and came back to school just to blast in my home. Like, nah, but I, I, I got a feeling, Tawazi, this won't be the last time that we uh, that we have you on the show, man. No, nah, definitely come on back, uh, man. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Definitely. Uh, Tawazi is a friend of the show. We're glad we can have him on. Um, just an announcement just before we get off here. Um, that magic number of 64 is going up to 88. Y'all just got to stay tuned to uh, find out what we're talking about. But it's coming real soon. Um, yeah, we got some things in store for y'all. We got some interest, interesting guests lined up. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate y'all's support. Shout outs to Paraguay. I don't know. no, I don't speak no Spanish, but and this show is in English, but somebody's understanding something out there because y'all show us some love. So appreciate uh, y'all. Yes, sir. Uh, viva la Paraguay. But uh, yeah, so that that's oh, and, and yeah. shout outs and shout outs. I didn't I didn't tell the fellas this before we went on the air. Shout outs to Estonia. I know y'all somewhere in Europe. I don't know exactly where, but y'all fuck with us, so I fuck with y'all. I don't know how to say long live Estonia in y'all language, so I just <laughs> a shout out. But um, yeah, so it's been a rap lab, yo, Tawazi man. Thank you again for yes, taking the time out to chop it up with us. Um, Appreciate y'all. 1997 was his idea, by the way, so he gets full credit for for the idea for the episode. Oh yeah, yes indeed, yes, yes indeed. indeed. So, uh, yeah, so this has been the rap lab, and uh, we out. Yes, peace. sir. Peace. Yeah, peace.